0: our weekend, as well as our hot topic sound up. And joining me for today's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay.
1: And thank you, Sharon. Excited to be here. I know it's a little early on a Thursday, but we got SRX racing tonight, so fans get to watch that.
0: Exactly right. All right. Uh, real quick, I am going to apologize ahead of time. There's going to be some times that I may need to... Step away from the show here. I've already talked to Jay, and he's going to make sure that everything keeps rolling. Uh, but uh, again, I apologize uh, for the inconvenience. But let's go ahead with our agenda for today. In our first half hour, we are going to have some short track news. Next, we're going to preview the Arca West race that's out at Shasta Speedway this weekend, and we'll give you a few brief updates from the Arca Menard series and the Arca West series. I'm sorry, ARCA East Series as well. Uh, Excuse me. In our next half hour, we're going to preview the NASCAR Truck Series race out at Richmond Raceway. Uh, And uh, that will also include, uh, we'll get started with the Xfinity Series race preview that is taking place at road america so three series racing two different tracks this weekend in our third half hour we'll do the preview for the nascar cup series race out at richmond along with any current news as time allows uh, of course our nascar hot topic sound off discussion will take place uh, afterward and i know brian is available as as well as jay and myself So, uh, still waiting to hear if Mike can make it. I know Andy cannot. So, we're definitely looking forward to our Hot topic Sound Off discussion today.
1: Yeah, and we definitely got a couple of interesting topics to discuss when it comes to that. Some different things going on. We're getting deep into the season here, getting ready for playoffs, or some teams possibly even looking at next year. So, interesting uh, hot topics coming up.
0: Absolutely. Okay, now, we're going to start with some short track news. I will say that um, we're going to start with July 27th. We're going to preview for you the upcoming races that are taking place this weekend, uh, starting today, July the 27th uh, for both the dirt tracks and short tracks. So, Jay, do you want to go ahead and get started with
1: that? Well, starting on dirt, you got the USAC Indiana Sprint Week from Lincoln Park Speedway. That'll be covered on Flow Racing six thirty p.m. at seven fifteen. Also on Flow Racing, there'll be the All Star Circuit of Champions at Lake Ozark Speedway, and then the Southern Nationals, which is a Tri County Raceway track. That'll be at seven p.m. Also covered on Flow Racing.
0: And, and again, no, in the track, short
1: track okay, category,
0: we have. This The one race, I'm sorry, Jay, I didn't realize you were going to do both of them, Um, but it's also on Flow Racing. It's the 44th Governor's Cup on Thunder Road Speed Bowl at 6.30 p.m. on Flow Racing, so a lot of racing available over on Flow.
1: Most certainly, and then as we move to the 28th, I want to only cover about half the dirt here and then take a breath and let Sharon cover some. But we got the World of Outlaws Late Model divisions there at Fairbury Speedway. That'll be on Dirt Vision at 6:45 p.m. And Dirt Vision is also covering the Extreme Outlaw series from Ohio Valley Speedway at 6:15. Flow Racing—they'll have that USAC Indiana Sprint Week continuation this time from Bloomington Speedway at 6:30 p.m. At 7 p.m. That'll be the All-Star Circuit of Champions as they move to I-70 Speedway Motorsports Park. And then the last one I'll cover here, Southern Nationals at North Georgia Speedway, be at 6.30 p.m. on Flow Racing.
0: All right, moving on to the NASCAR weekly racing at the Autodrome Grand B. Uh That race will be covered at 6.30 p.m. on Flow Racing. On Dirt Vision, we have about four races here. Uh, that will all be on Flow Racing. The weekly racing at Attica Raceway Park starts at 6.30 p.m. The weekly racing at, at Southern Illinois Raceway starts at 7 p.m. on Dirt Vision. And then the weekly racing at Jacksonville Speedway starts at 7.15 on Dirt Vision. And the weekly racing at Williams Grove Speedway starts at 7.30 p.m. and again on Dirt Vision. Do you want to wrap it up, Jay?
1: The Dale Defiance Memorial at Marshalltown Speedway, that'll be at 7.55 p.m. Flow Racing covering that. Back over on Dirt Vision, you got the weekly racing at the Jackson Motorplex at 8.30 p.m. Uh, The IRA Sprints from Plymouth Dirt Track. Time is yet to be determined, but Flow Racing will be covering it, as well as weekly racing from the Utica Rome Speedway. Again, check for a time on that as it's not listed
0: okay and in short tracks we've got the dunlevy modified tonight at stafford motor speedway at 5:45 p.m that will be available via live streaming on flow racing uh we can move on now over to the short tracks i guess on july the 29th i'll go halfway and then let jay take it uh the cars tour throwback uh 276 will take place at Hickory Motor Speedway at 3.45 p.m. on the 29th and Flow Racing. Um, all, all of these that I'm going to mention are on Flow Racing. We're back to the NASCAR weekly racing, this time at Riverhead Raceway, 5 p.m. on Flow Racing. NASCAR Weekly Racing at Gennett Town Speedway at 5.50 p.m. on Flow Racing, and the 500 Sprint Car Tour at the Fairgrounds Speedway of Nashville at 6 p.m., also on Flow Racing.
1: Also at 6 p.m., though, will be the NASCAR Weekly Racing from Berlin Raceway. As Sharon mentioned, these are all on Flow Racing. At 7.45, Bowman Gray Stadium's got their NASCAR Weekly Racing coverage and then at 8 p.m. it's NASCAR weekly racing from the Lacrosse Fairground Speedway. Uh 8:30, that'll be NASCAR weekly racing from Meridian Speedway, and all the way up till 10 p.m., Alaska Raceway Park has some NASCAR weekly racing as well.
0: Okay, we'll move over to dirt racing on July the 29th. Uh starting with uh, several races here block well, 3 I've got at the top. At Dirt Vision, the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series will race at Weed Sport Speedway, and that will start at 6.15 p.m. on Dirt Vision. The World of Outlaws Late Models at Fairberry Speedway at 6.30 p.m. on Dirt Vision. And the Extreme Outlaw Series at Atomic Speedway starts at 6.15 also on Dirt Vision. Then we move over to Flow Racing for three races. The USAC Indiana Sprint Week at Tri-State Speedway at 7 p.m. The All-Star Circuit of Champions at Knoxville Raceway, time to be determined over at Flow Racing. And Modified Special Bridgeport Speedway at 6 p.m., available on Flow Racing. And go ahead and finish it out, Jay.
1: All right, on Dirt Vision at 6, you got weekly racing from Volusia Speedway Park at... 6.15 6.15 on Flow Racing, the Living Legends, a dream race from Port Royale Speedway. Then 6.30 on Dirt Vision, you go back, weekly racing from Sharon Speedway. 7 p.m. Dirt Vision, the weekly racing from Southern Illinois Raceway. Then on Flow Racing, a time to be determined from Tazewell Speedway will be the Southern Nationals, as well as the IRA Sprint at Wilmot Raceway. Again, times to be determined on these. And then uh, wrapping it up will be weekly racing, uh, racing from Port City Raceway.
0: Okay, next I'll go ahead and cover the dirt and short track racing on July the thirtieth, and then Jay, I'll let you do the same for July thirty-first uh, for dirt. The World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series will race at Weed Sport Speedway starting at six p.m., six fifteen p.m. These are all Eastern times, by the way. That will be on Dirt Vision. Also on Dirt Vision at 6.15 is the World of All Laws series at Bush Creek Motorsports uh, Complex. And also on Dirt Vision at 7.30 p.m. is the weekly racing at Huffett Speedway. For short tracks, we've got the Thunder Road Speedway Bowl, uh, part of the NASCAR Weekly series. That will start at 7 p.m. over at Flow Racing.
1: And to wrap up our racing coverage, as well as the month, July 31st on Dirt, you got the Super Dirt Car Series from the Autodrome Drummond. We're going to be on Dirt Vision at 5.45 p.m. And then at 6.30 p.m., flip it over to Flow Racing, and you can watch the Wild Thing Kart Series coming out of Stafford Motor Speedway.
0: That's a whole lot of racing available for fans, uh, this weekend. Uh if there's a race going on somewhere and uh Flow Racing, Dirt Vision, uh Mav T V, they all have that uh racing available. Uh so definitely uh, check that out.
2: <clears throat>
0: Excuse me. Uh Real quick, let's head over to Racing America and see about race short track or dirt racing news. We won't be able to cover all of it, of course, uh, but um, there is a feature article over there. SRX point leader, Ryan Newman, is looking to adapt quickly at Pulaski County. So on this week's episode of the Bull Ring, Newman admitted he's never seen Pulaski County Motorsports Park, much less race it. However, he feels he's going to learn the place very quickly. So uh, you'll definitely want to check out that feature uh, for SRX Racing over at Racing America.
1: That's right, and they make (laughs) their debut there for SRX, which is kind of exciting. Another one, when you look at the Grand Jump Auto Group 250 has another historical event for the ASA Stars National Tour as they'll be running their 39th uh, at Wisconsin International Raceway in Kawakawana, Wisconsin.
0: Very cool, very cool. I want to also uh, announce here for Racing America, uh, they are launching, where did I just see this? It was here and now it's gone. Here's- Oh, there it is. The racing America and the top. RTA yep. uh, Media launches racerjobs.com. Uh, it's sponsored by Prestige Staffing, one of the nation's foremost staffing agencies. Uh, but if you're looking for a job in the racing industry, uh, racerjobs, uh, com is the place to go. And uh, they will tell you what kind of race jobs are available And uh, how you can apply for those jobs. So, uh, definite. It also tells you uh, some of the jobs that have filled and um, been filled by here. So, definitely check that out if you're looking for a job in the racing industry.
1: Well, and we talked about this. uh, Racing America is one of them that's continuing to grow their platform. So, that'll be interesting to see uh, what they produce there with this uh, RacerJobs.com.
0: It is indeed. Okay, it's time for us to move on now. We do have a race that's taking place uh, in the Arkham Guard Series West, and that is the Shasta 150 at Shasta Speedway in Anderson, California. That race will take place this Saturday, July the 29th at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time, but that's 8.30 p.m. Pacific Time. It will be available via live streaming on Flow Racing starting at uh, 11.30 uh, p.m. Eastern Time, 8.30 p.m. Pacific Time. They'll be racing a distance of uh, 56.25 miles, over 150 laps. So... uh, uh, a big race to look forward to here in the Arkham and Art Series West.
1: It is, and it's already halfway through their season, as the Shasta 150 will be the seventh race of the 12-race 2023 Arkham and Series West season.
0: Now, the last time that the Arkham and Series West raced at Shasta Speedway, it was in 2015, and that race was won by our good friend Chris Eggleston. So good to see his name again.
1: And there have been 14 previous Arkham Menard Series West races at Shasta Speedway, dating back to the first in April of 1967, which was won by Scotty Kane. Other winners uh, include Bill Schmidt in 1976. In 77, it was Jim Walker, Jimmy Insolo, in 1978, where he did it twice, Schmidt won again in 79, and then Jim Robinson did it in 81, Ron Eaton in 82, Robinson again in 83, on a Derek Cope in 1984, Robinson again comes up in 1985, then we got Bill Sedgwick, Sedgwick 19, uh, I think that's 20, we'll go with. Yeah, we'll go with 92. It fits in between there and 93. So uh, Rick Corelli in 93, and then Sharon hit on Eggleston in 2015.
0: That race in 2015 was the only one to be held at the track's current .375-mile layout. The previous races were all held at the former .333-mile layout. So... uh, Interesting that uh, they made a track reconfiguration in between there.
1: Well, on one that looks to add his name to that winner's list, Landon Lewis, as he enters the Shasta 150 with a 14-point lead over Sean Hingarani to the Arkham Menard Series West Championship standings.
0: Also, previous Arkham Menards Series West winners in 2023 include Tanner Reif, He won at Phoenix. Sean Hingarani won twice at Irwindale in Kern County. Lewis Landon, uh, Landon Lewis, I should say, won at Portland. Cole Custer won the Sonoma race. And Trevor Huddleston uh, had a very popular win out at Irwindale Speedway.
1: Now, reigning Arkham and Art Series West champion Jake Drew will make his return to the West as a competitor in the number 41, Loudon Jackson Motorsports Ford, replacing Phoenix winner Tyler Reif, who moves over to the number 13 Central Coast Racing Ford. Team owner, uh, driver Todd Souza, will pilot a second CCR uh, entry. I saw that on the entry list.
0: Yeah, it's a brand-new team, I guess, that Todd Souza is starting. So that's kind of cool. Uh, Now, Lewis leads the full-time West Series drivers with an average finish of 5.83, and that's in the first six races this season. Uh, The Bounty Rookie Challenge contender Bradley Erickson sits in second place with a 7.0 average finish, and two-time 2023 winner Sean Hingarani is third, and his average finish is at
1: 7.83. Now, Lewis has led laps in each of the six races so far for 2023, leading a total of 222 so far. Trevor Huddleston is second in the laps-led category with 135, just ahead of Hingarani, who has 127.
0: Lewis is the only driver to complete all 723 possible competition laps after six races. Tyler Wright comes in second at 720 laps, while his older brother Tanner sits in third with 718 laps completed.
1: Well, the track record for the most cautions is eight, and that was set back in 1993, while the record for the fewest cautions is back in 1976 and 77 with zero. Most laps run under caution was is forty seven which was set in nineteen ninety three Now remember that was on a prior configuration
0: yes indeed, okay now David Mayhew holds the track qualifying record that was set in nineteen i'm sorry twenty fifteen uh, that record is at 85.050 miles per hour. Chris Tagelson, he holds the race record average speed at the 3.7 mile track layout at 57.990 miles per hour.
1: And as always with the Arkham Menard Series, uh, the West Series, uh, should the race need to be extended into overtime, there will be unlimited attempts at a two-lap green-white checkered finish, but should the caution flag be displayed after the white flag is, the white flag is displayed, there's also unlimited attempts at a one-lap green-and-white-together finish.
0: Okay. Now, um, there is some other information here on our uh, that we can kind of look for, some things that you can watch for uh, from the pit box includes John Hingarani will return to the driver's seat. Uh, we've mentioned him at Shasta uh, after serving that one race sus- race suspension for intentionally crashing Venturini Motorsports Team Thompson uh, out at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. That incident is the only major blemish on Hingarani's solid rookie season so far, he has consecutive victories, as we mentioned earlier, at Irwindale and Kern County. And um, that has him just 14 behind uh, points behind Landon Lewis in the Arco West standings, even though he missed that race. Both Hingarani and Lewis will have some additional competition this uh, weekend from Jake Drew. He's the defending Arkham art Series West champion and has only made one start this year in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, but he looks to pick up from where he left off in 2022, driving that number 41 Loudon Jackson Motorsports vehicle. Do you want to go on about Drew?
1: Well, speaking of Drew in that flagship car for Loudon Jackson, Tyler Reif is going to move over to the pilot, the number 13, owned by veteran driver Todd Sousa. Rife opened the, the year with a surprising victory in the Arkham Menards Series West season opener at Phoenix Raceway, but has only registered one top five since then. And Souza, who's in the middle of his final full-time Arkham Menards Series West campaign, is uh, fielding a second number three entry for himself at Shasta Speedway. And joining him for the series return to Shasta is the usual group of full-time competitors – that include Bradley Erickson, Tanner Reif, and the most recent winner at Irwindale, Trevor Huddleston.
0: Okay. Uh, now, again, that race is this Saturday, the 29th, at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 11.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, in addition to the live streaming that's available over at Flow Racing, you can get radio coverage over at arcaracing.com. And again, this is a 3.75 mile paved oval. Uh There is on July, Saturday, July the 29th, they'll have a final practice from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific time. The General Tire Pole qualifying is at 6 p.m. Pacific time, and the Shasta 150, as we mentioned earlier, is at 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. They'll race a distance of 56.3 miles over 150 laps. So uh, we've got a lot to look forward to here. Are there any names that we may have missed (laughs) on the entry list?
1: Let me uh, scroll through here uh david smith will be in the 05 Derek copeland in the 80 nick Joannidis in the 77 um, ryan philpot in the 52 kyle keller in the 70 we talked about the driver change there in the 41 tim spurgeon's in the 21 and takuma koga in the number seven always a regular competitor and then Cole yep. Raz in the number five, and last is Eric Nascimento I believe he's a full season for the what year as well.
0: Okay, it's pretty cool. I'm glad you found the uh, entry list. I couldn't seem to find that.
1: <laughs> I believe there's 17 entered. Um, some interesting storylines there with the driver changes. Uh, Could really shake some things up there. I know the points is a a little bit closer than when we talk about the East Series. So something to really keep your eye on. And I say we're just going over the halfway mark here for the West Series.
0: Yeah. Speaking about uh, some news stories, uh, there's some upcoming news stories to be aware of. Chris Wright is going to join Venturini Motorsports for the Henry Ford Health 200 out at Michigan Speedway. And then Taylor Reimer is uh, going to make his ARCA Racing debut with Venturini Motorsports out at the Illinois State Fairgrounds. And, again, you can read all about that over at arcaracing.com.
1: And another one uh, to check out is kind of at the bottom corner there is Secusi Voltec announces primary sponsorship of Gage Rogers. Um, let me see if it, what track uh, they're coming in at. That would also Michigan. be for that Henry Ford, there we go, the Henry Ford Health 200 at Michigan. So Michigan picking up some good sponsors there.
0: Yeah, and good drivers. I'm really excited to to see all of the uh, drivers that are going to be available to race out there at um, Michigan. Uh, there's some behind-the-scenes uh, photos if you want to see those over at ARCA Racing. They do have the uh, entry list for Saturday's West. Uh, series race for Shasta, the Shasta 150 at Shasta Speedway. Uh, And they've got a note here, too, the start time was adjusted for the Arkham and Art Series race at Salem Speedway. Um, That race, the Atlas Roofing 200, uh, will be the Arkham and Art Series race at Salem has been adjusted to 7.30. The race will be televised on Fox Sports 1.00. And uh, advanced tickets are available for the Atlas Roofing 200 by visiting Menards locations in Jeffersonville, Columbus, and Bloomington in Indiana, and Louisville, Kentucky, starting on August the 7th. So uh, if you want to go out there to Salem Speedway and see an Arkham Menard Series race, those are the places to go to get your tickets.
1: And last thing I want to talk about here before we switch over, and I know you want to hit on the uh, East series uh, race coming up as well, but mm-hmm. Sean Hingarani, we haven't heard a whole lot about him. You read a little bit there talking about him having to take a one race break there, but in, for a young driver in the midst of a championship run, only 14 points behind Landon Lewis, it'll be interesting to see how he recovers from this type of situation um, that, that'll really determine how far And how long his career is going to go, I think
0: uh, I think you're probably Right there Okay, and real quick, I do want to make sure Everybody knows when the next race is uh, We've mentioned it a couple times For the Arca Art Series The Henry Ford Health 200 Will take place August the 4th At 6 p.m. Eastern Time Out at Michigan International Speedway And that will be televised On Fox Sports 1 uh, Also for the Arca East They'll be racing on August the 11th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. That's actually uh, a combo race with the Arkham and Art Series. Uh, the Reese's 200 will be televised again on Fox Sports 1. So, but I'm looking forward to this race out of JASTA this weekend, Jay.
1: I am, too, and scrolling all the way down the point standings, I'm not going to run through all of them, but there are 12 drivers that have made all six races, so the gap from top to bottom of those top 12 that have made all six is 71 points, and and that is a lot, but we do still have those six races left, so you can't count anybody out yet at this point. Um, Some of them have a little more work than others, but... 12 drivers that have made all the races and really still have a shot at the championship.
0: Yeah, isn't that exciting? Uh, the ARCO West Series has really been uh, kind of competitive uh, for sure uh, with a lot of uh, participation. They really support their drivers out in the West.
1: It certainly has seemed to be one of the closest points battles we've seen over the past several years as we watch both the East regular Arkham Menard Series, and the West here. Uh, That one generally is the closest.
0: Okay. All right. We're going to go ahead and move on now to our NASCAR Top 3 Series, racing at two different tracks this weekend with the Craftsman Truck Series and the Cup Series racing at Richmond Raceway. But the Xfinity Series is racing out at uh, Road America this weekend, more in line with my neck of the woods here. Okay, so let's get started with our NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. The Worldwide Express 250 out at Richmond Raceway will take place Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Fox Sports 1 will start their coverage at 7 p.m. Eastern, along with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They will race a distance of 187.5 miles over 250 laps. First two stages are 70 laps apiece. Stage one ends on seven, lap 70. Stage two on lap 140. The final stage is 110 laps and ends on the last lap, which is 250.
1: All right, I didn't need- realize this, Sharon, but I don't have I don't have a link to the NASCAR news and notes that I'm finding.
0: Okay, let me see if I can get that sent to you real quick.
1: They've got it on Jake? I didn't realize it was... Yeah, that's when I'm, oh, right there, I got it, I got it. Let me get it pulled up. Okay. It was all the way at the top, that's why.
0: Oh, all
1: right. okay. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead and start with the truck so i get scrolled down to where we are.
0: Okay, Sanchez maintains a Sunoco Rookie of the Year lead as the 2023 Sunoco Rookies head now to Richmond Raceway. Uh, Nick Sanchez from Rev Racing continues to dominate the standings. He's 106 points ahead of McAnally-Hilgerman Racing's Jake Garcia, who sits in second. Now, Sanchez has been the leader of the rookie standings for most of the season. In 15 starts, he's put up four poles two top fives and seven top ten finishes. He's also led 231 laps this season. Now, again, Nick Sanchez has eight Sonoco Rookie Awards, Jake Garcia, three, uh, and again, the, in third place is Taylor Gray at 273, Daniel Dye, 267, Raja Karuth at 262, and Brett Holmes at 208. They all have one Rookie of the Year Sunoco Award. Now, if Sanchez is the only rookie to earn a spot in the series playoffs, he will theoretically clinch this season's Sunoco Rookie of the Year honors as the points will be reset with a minimum of 2,000 for the playoff drivers. A A total the drivers that did not make the postseason will not be able to mathematically reach the Sunoco rookie of the year title. So Sanchez is on track to do that, but he certainly dominated most of the season.
1: Well, I knew you like to to talk about the rookie of the year battle. So I thought I'd let you start with that today. That's what what that was all about. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jay. (laughs) Now, this race is so important. It is, is the final race of the champion, regular season championship, and Haim is just that one start away from picking that up. Despite missing the gateway race due to illness, Tricon Garage's Corey Haim continues to have a strong year as he holds on to the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series driver standings lead with only one race left in the regular season. The 20-year-old is currently 42 points up on reigning Craftsman Truck Series champion Zane Smith heading into Richmond Raceway. Aheim is looking to become the seventh different driver to win the regular season championship as he joined Christopher Bell from 2017, Johnny Sauter in 18, Grant Infinger in 19, Austin Hill in 2020, John Hunter Nemechek in 2021, and Zane Smith in 2022. Well, the regular season championship can be clinched by the following drivers this weekend at Richmond. Corey Heim would have clinched with 19 points. Zane Smith, Grant Enfinger, Ben Rhodes, and Ty Majeski could all do it, but they need some help. Now Heim's points lead began after a compelling finish at North Wilkesboro, where he won stage one and finished six overall which gained him a total of 48 points for that one race to jump from third in the standings over Ty Majeski and Zane Smith. Since then, he has continued to be dominant. The Georgia native has accumulated two wins at Martinsville and Mid-Ohio, seven top tens and 12 top ten finishes, as well as leading 399 laps on the season. The driver of the number 11 Toyota will clinch that regular season championship if he can accumulate 19 points at Richmond. Now he finished fifth there last season. A front row motorsport, Zane Smith is the one minus 42 back from the points leader, continues to stay close to that top spot. Although he has a tough, had a tough stretch from Darlington to Gateway, he managed to bounce back in Nashville as well as mid-Ohio, where he finished second at both tracks. The 24-year-old, who swept the regular season and postseason championship last year in 2022, has accumulated two wins, seven top fives, and seven top ten finishes on the season. Now, Smith finished ninth at the .75-mile D-shape track last year.
0: Okay, give me just a second, and I'll be back in my notes here.
2: <laughs>
0: okay. Moving right along here, um, let's take a look at the one race left to set that playoff field. Did you you already cover that, Jay?
1: No, that's where you're you're set to go.
0: Okay. Uh the Worldwide Express two fifty at Richmond is the last chance for competitors to earn their spot in the playoffs as it will officially mark the end of the Craftsman Truck Series regular season. So this is the season finale. Six drivers are locked into the playoffs because of wins. That includes, of course, Corey Heim, uh, as well as Jane Smith, Grant Infinger, Christian Eckes, Carson Hosefar, Ben Rhodes. And one driver has already already clinched his spot based on points. That's Ty Majewski. That leaves just three postseason positions up for grabs this weekend. So, um, Let's see. These uh, following drivers can clinch via points if there's a repeat winner or a win by a driver who cannot advance to the playoffs. Uh, so, uh, they can clinch by being ahead of the fifth winless driver in the standings. Uh, the same requirements will hold true if a new win comes from among Ty Majewski, Matt DiBenedetto, Nick Sanchez, or Matt Crafton. So, Matt Benedetto needs 25 points to clench. Nick Sanchez needs 35 points to clench. Matt Crafton needs 47. And uh, uh, Stuart Friesen, Tanner Gray, and Chase Barty, they all need help, which means they pretty much need to win. Now, if there's a new winner from Stuart Friesen or another winless driver lower in the standings but still eligible to advance to the playoffs, uh, these drivers can clinch by being ahead of the fourth winless driver in the standings. So Matt Benedetto needs 34 points, while Nick Sanchez needs 43. But Matt Crafton and Stuart Friesen all need uh, a win. Now, <clears throat> these other drivers uh, can all clinch with a win, in addition to the ones that we've already mentioned. There's Tyler Ankrum, Daniel Dye, Roger Carruth, Haley Deegan, Colby Howard, Dean Thompson, Bud Holmes, Lawless Allen, and Spencer Boyd. So uh, a lot of those drivers will need a win if they want to get into the playoffs this year.
1: Well, and a win from one of them outside that cut line would really make things interesting. We'll see what happens. But the summertime truck racing under the lights at Richmond Raceway. And it is that just one race left in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series regular season, Richmond Raceway sets the stage for some Saturday night short track racing in that Worldwide Express 250 to decide who will fill that final 10-driver postseason field for the 2023 playoffs. To date, Richmond Raceway has hosted 14 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series races on the .75-mile track and produced... 10 different pole winners and 11 different race winners. The inaugural Craftsman Truck Series race at Richmond Raceway was held on September 7, 1995 in the series inaugural season and was won by one of the NASCAR's 75 greatest drivers as that was Terry Labonte piloting the number five Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet. Now, Tony Stewart in 2002 and three. Mike Skinner in 96 and 05, Jack Sprague in 98 and 2001 lead the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series and wins at the 0.75 mile track with two victories each. GMS Racing's Grant Anfinger in 2020 is the only previous winner entered into this weekend, while Matt Crafton has visited the track a total of eight times, which is the most out of the entire field.
0: Okay, now we're going to take a look back. Last week, Kyle Busch Busch, uh, took a 100th Craftsman Truck Series victory for Kyle Busch Motorsports with that last lap pass at Pocono. It capped off a really thrilling afternoon at Pocono Raceway. Kyle Busch, who we already know is the winningest driver in the Truck Series history with 64 victories himself executed a perfect last-lap pass on the current driver standings leader, Corey Heim, to secure Kyle Busch Motorsports that 100th Craftsman Truck Series victory, which is the series' most. The driver of the number 51 KBM Chevrolet made a daring move in turn two and was able to edge Heim by .604 seconds at that finish line. With five starts in the year, Bush secured his second win of the season. The first win came at Las Vegas Motor Speedway back in March. The Las Vegas native now has recorded 229 career victories across three of NASCAR's National Series, which is the most all-time. Following Heim, Tricon Garage's uh, Taylor Gray finished a career-best third with another NASCAR Cup Series full-timer, Christopher Bell, finishing in fourth place in the Hattori Racing Enterprises number 61 Toyota. Grant Dinfinger, of course, rounded out the top five in his number 23, GMS Racing Chevrolet. 18 different drivers have contributed to KPM's 100 wins, including the driver of the number 11, Tricon Garage Toyota, Corey Heim. Now, Kyle Busch alone has 48 truck series wins. Christopher Bell, William Byron, Eric Jones, and John Hunter Niemich all have contributed seven wins to the KBM total. Uh, Bubba Wallace, Chandler Smith can have both contributed five wins. Denny Hamlin, Noah Gregson, and Corey Heim have all contributed two victories apiece. And then the following drivers have all contributed at least one win. That's Brian Scott, Daniel Suarez, Dodd Gilliland, Greg Biffle, Martin Truex, Jr., Raphael Lassard, Brendan Jones, and Casey Kane. How quickly is it going to take out Bush Motorsports to reach 101? Well, it could happen this weekend. The KBM organization has won the last two races at the three-quarter mile track. Chandler Smith won there in 2021, and John Hunter Nemechek won that race in 2022. So uh, it was a really big milestone for Kyle Busch Motorsports to get that 100th victory. A lot of people were wondering when that would happen, and Kyle Busch closed the book on it.
1: Well, a couple of things there before we move on. You know, It's only fitting that Kyle Busch did win that 100th uh, victory himself, although it could have come uh, earlier. There were a couple of close ones. But as you mentioned, he has almost half of them himself for the team. Um, but the, two other things I wanted to hit on here. The drivers that have driven for him and come through his organization, at the top of the list, Christopher Bell, William Byron, Eric Jones with seven each, uh, as well as John Hunter Nemechek, Bubba Wallace, Chandler Smith, we see where these guys are at today. And that, I think, is a huge part of KBM. Um, And the last thing I wanted to say, the details of what you read there, Sharon, and talked about, that pass, the last lap pass, might have been one of the cleanest and best setup, talented driving passes I have seen in a long time. (laughs) It
0: really says a lot, doesn't it, how far Kyle Busch and his organization have come uh, in their journey uh, in NASCAR's top three series. So I, I love it. Okay, we're going to move on now to the Xfinity Series. They're racing this weekend out at Road America. They'll be racing the Road America 180 at the track this Saturday, July the 29th, and that race starts at 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, with NBC carrying the coverage starting at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio will also have coverage available. They'll race a distance of 182.16 miles over 45 laps. With the first stage ending on lap 22, the second stage on lap 34, that's 24 laps. And I'm sorry, that's, yeah, that's uh, 22 laps. I guess they're both, no, it's not. Why am I confused here? That's only 14 laps? I'm confused. My yeah, math it's is, of course. Okay. Uh, and then the final stage ends on lap 45 which is another 11 laps. Okay. <laughs> what do we have in the Xfinity Series?
1: Well, we've got a milestone to watch as Justin Algar is going to make his 425th NASCAR Xfinity Series career start this weekend. As a junior motorsports veteran, Justin Algar will attempt to make his 425th NASCAR Xfinity Series career start this weekend at Road America. Algar is ranked 8th on the all-time NASCAR Xfinity Series starts list with 424, second most among active drivers uh, behind Jeremy Clements at 450. Uh, Kenny Wallace holds the record for the most career NASCAR Xfinity starts, and that's a long way off at 547.
0: Wow, that's a huge difference. Here's a name we haven't heard in a long time. Can you hear me? I'm
1: excited to see it. Yep.
0: Okay. Stanton Barrett is going to run the road course out at Road America for Emerlin Gates. He'll be getting behind the wheel of the number 35 Chevrolet for Emerlin Gase Motorsports at Road America this weekend, and it'll be his first start in the series since 2019. He's made five starts in the series at Road America with a best finish of 17th that came in 2010. So uh, really cool to hear the name of Dan Barrett again racing in the Xfinity Series.
1: Real quick for fans who don't know, uh, I know we talked about Frankie Munoz in the Arkham Menard series as an actor. Stanton Barrett is a stuntman uh, that used to race regularly, so good to see him back. Now, the 2023 Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings. uh, The battle continues as they have 19 races under their belts now and are headed to Road America for the 20th of the season. And they're fifth on a road course this year. Diving into the series driver standings following Pocono Raceway, currently leading the pack of the Sunoco rookies is college Racing's Chandler Smith from Talking Rock, Georgia. The college racing rising star has secured his spot in the playoffs with his one win, uh, which was at Richmond earlier in the year. Five top fives, eight top tens on the year. He resides fifth overall in the driver's standings with 587 points. Smith will be making a series track debut at Road America this weekend. Sliding in next is Joe Gibbs Racing's Sammy Smith, who comes from the other end of the country or northern side of Johnston, Iowa. He's also secured his spot in the Xfinity Series playoffs with his first career win coming at Phoenix Raceway earlier this season. Smith is currently second in the Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings, just 39 points behind Chandler Smith in the standings lead. Sammy Smith has racked up 548 points this season, posted that win at Phoenix, four top fives, and ten top ten. Now, Smith made his series track debut at Road America last season, where he started eighth and finished 24th. Now, Jordan Anderson's Park Racing's Parker Retzlaff, He's from Rhinelander, Wisconsin, up in that area, he's ranked third in the Snowco Rookie of the Year standings with 340 points, putting him 247 points back from the Rookie standings lead. Now, this season, Retzlaff has posted one top five and four top ten finishes in the 19 starts. And closing out the Snowco Rookie of the Year standings for 2023, our motorsports, Blaine Perkins, coming from Bakersfield, California, has 153 points, putting him 434 points behind in the standings. Perkins has made 17 starts this season, and he's posted an average finish of 28.2.
0: All right, let's talk about the playoff picture and paint that for uh, the Xfinity Series as they head into Road America. Richard Childress Racing's Austin Hill capitalized on Junior Motorsports, Josh Berry's mistake in turn one last week out at Pocono Raceway during a final restart overtime uh, to win his fourth race of the season. And I, uh Joe Gibbs Racing, John Hunter Nemechek for the series' most wins this year at four apiece. Now, with another repeat winner, five spots are still up, to grabs, up for grabs to make the Xfinity Series playoffs, with just seven races left in the regular season, including this weekend's Road America 180. Now, the seven drivers that have already earned their spots in the playoffs by virtue of wins this season are John hunter Nemechek and Austin Hill, of course, with four wins apiece. Then there's Cole Custer, Justin Dower, Chandler Smith, Sammy Smith, and Jeb Burton. Now, five drivers who are currently occupying the remaining postseason spots and would transfer on points include Josh Berry. He's 110 points to the good. Daniel Hemrick is up 86 points. Sam Mayer up 78 points. Sheldon Creed up 49 points. And Raleigh Erfst up 26 points. Barry is 110 points above the cut line and only has one start on the 4.048 mile course in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. Uh, He pulled off a third place finish last year after racing uh, up from 16th in the starting position. Hemrick is 86 points above the cut line. He's made five starts at Road America where he posted two top five and two top 10 finishes. His best finish on the road course was runner-up in 2021, finishing second just behind Kyle Bush. The 21 Series champion is looking to make the playoffs for the fifth time in his career. He's done it in 17, 18, and again in 21 and 22. Mayer is 78 points to the good. He has two starts on the Wisconsin road course with a best finish of 20th. Although he hasn't done as well as he would hope at Road America, he has put up some great finishes on other road courses this season, including a 7th place at Coda, 3rd place at Portland, 10th at Sonoma. This year, Mayer is looking for a second appearance in the postseason and a series career debut in the playoffs last year. Creed is 49 points above the cut line and hasn't had the best of luck at Road America. He's been unable to finish the race in either one of his starts. But he has proved uh, himself on other road courses this season, including a ninth place finish at Coda, a 7th place finish at Portland, and an 11th place finish at Sonoma. This season creed, the 2020 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion, is looking to make his Xfinity Series playoffs for the first time in his career. He finished 14th in the final championship standings in the Xfinity Series last year. Now, Herb's currently 12th. He's in that final playoff spot with 26 points to the good. He has made three starts at Road America, where he's posted two top 10 finishes. This season, Herbst is looking to make his NASCAR Xfinity Series playoffs for the fourth consecutive year from 2020 through 2022, up throughout his career. Exactly right below the Xfinity Series playoff line is Parker Kligerman in 13th at 467 points, 26 points back from Herbst, who sits in that 12th spot. Klickerman's made two Xfinity Series starts at Road America. He's posted a third-place finish in 13th and a 10th-place finish in 2017. Klickerman is also looking to make his Xfinity Series career debut in the playoffs this year. He's been working really hard at trying to make that happen. He could make it happen at Road America, I think.
1: Well, I certainly think so. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. One thing is that plays into that favor, though, is this hot streak. Will Road America different Xfinity Series winners' streak continue? As this whole series has been making its way to Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, to race with the Road America since 2010, surprisingly, there has yet to be a repeat winner. Road America currently holds the longest uh, Xfinity Series different winner streak, and it's at 13. The record for the most consecutive different winners at a single track is 23, and that's set at New Hampshire Motor Speedway between the 1990 and 2009 seasons. The drivers that have landed themselves in victory lane at Road America, all right, I like these. Let's look at some of these names. Carl Edwards in 2010. Reed Sorensen in 2011, Nelson P.K. Jr. in 2012, A.J. Almendinger in 2013, Brandon Gaughan in 14, Paul Menard in 15, Michael McDowell in 16, Jeremy Clements with that uh, huge win in 2017, Justin Algar is on the list here in 2018, Christopher Bell, 2019, 2020, Austin Sindrick, then Kyle Busch in 2021, and Ty Gibbs in 2022. Now, of those 13 drivers that have taken the checkered flag at Road America, only three will have that opportunity to add another Road America trophy to their trophy case this weekend and break that streak, and that's A.J. Allmendinger, Jeremy Clements, and Justin Allgaier. Now, Cup Series regular A.J. Allmendinger has five Xfinity Series starts at the Wisconsin road course. In those five starts, he's posted the one win in 2013, three top fives, and four top tens. Now, road America is a particularly special place for him as it marks his first ever Xfinity Series win. And the veteran driver isn't called a road course ringer for nothing as he sits as the series winningest driver on road courses. I mentioned Clements in his 450 Xfinity Series career starts. Clements has two victories. His first was at Road America in 2017 and his second in Daytona in 2022. His first ever win at Road America came as a surprise for all as he was was in a nine-year-old car with his small family-owned team. Clements is still looking to post his first top 10 of the 2023 season. His best finish thus far has been 14th, which was on the road course in Austin, Texas circuit of america's algar has made 11 starts at road america he picked up his win in 2018 two top fives and five top tens he heads into the weekend with a string of top fives and top ten finishes on other road courses this season at coda he was fifth second at portland sonoma he came home seventh and then at the chicago street course he was third
0: All right, Uh, talking about turning left and right at Road America. uh, After some fun on the tricky triangle with only three turns, the Xfinity Series now heads to Road America to give its 14-turn course a go, uh, and that will be this Saturday. There have been 13 Xfinity Series races at Road America. Again, it's a 4.048-mile course with... Producing eight different pole winners and a new winner every year, a total of 13. Three races have been won from the pole or the first starting position. Most recently, A.J. Almendinger did it in 2013. Drivers will push to break the qualifying and race records this weekend, spots currently held by Alex Tagliani and Nelson Piquet Jr., respectively. Tagliani's a qualifying record in 2016 with a speed of 109.8866 miles per hour, while PK Jr. became the race record holder in 2012 with his speed of 85.171 miles per hour. Now, a few other drivers have their names etched into the Road America Xfinity Series record book, and they include A.J. Allmendinger and Alex Tagliani, who are tied for the most poles with two apiece. Brennan Kahn has posted the most top fives at four, and Justin Algauer and Elliot Sadler are tied for the most top tens at five apiece. The Xfinity Series will kick off this weekend with practice starting at 5 p.m. Eastern time, followed by qualifying at 6 p.m. Eastern on Friday. That's tomorrow. And on July 28th, uh, that will be take place on the USA Network and available for live streaming on the NBC Sports app. So uh, there we have it for the Xfinity Series. Uh, Really some cool stats there that we shared today.
1: Well, and it'll be interesting to see uh, three drivers uh, that we know can win on that course. uh, Jeremy Clements, Justin Auger, and A.J. Allmendinger, who is going to be in the race and that'll come up during Hot Topics. But I think we'll see a different winner, and who it might be.
0: Yes, indeed, we'll have to see who that might be. I was just checking to see if I heard from um, if I heard from uh, Owen yet. Speaking about the the uh, picks for this weekend. Okay, We're going to the NASCAR Cup Series. The Cookout 400 is at Richmond Raceway this Sunday, July the 30th at 3 p.m. It will be available on the USA Network starting at 2.30 p.m., as well as radio coverage uh, available on, uh, uh, radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll race a distance of 300 miles over 400 laps, First stage ends on lap 70, second stage on lap 230, and then the final stage ends on lap 400.
1: Well, on the Cup side, we also have a milestone to watch here this weekend as Alex Bowman is going to make his 275th career Cup start this weekend. Hendrick Motorsports driver Alex Bowman comes from Tucson, Arizona and will attempt to make his 275th NASCAR Cup, Cup Series career start this weekend at Richmond Raceway in the Cookout 400. And Bowman has competed in the NASCAR Cup Series for three different organizations during his career. In 2014, he drove for BK Racing. Then in 2016, he competed for Tommy Baldwin Racing before moving over to Hendrick Motorsports, where he has been since 2017. Bowman made his NASCAR Cup Series debut back February 17, 2014, in the Daytona 500, where he started 29th and finished 23rd. In total of the 274 career starts, Bowman has earned a spot in the playoffs the last five consecutive seasons, stretching from 2018 to 2022, and posted four polls, seven wins, 31 top fives, and 75 top tens. Now, looking to this weekend at Richmond, Bowman's made 14 starts at the .75-mile track, putting up one victory and four top tens.
0: Okay. Uh, now, West us customs, 2311 Racing uh, will have a special project for fans at Richmond. Uh, so they're kind of have a partnership here. Ryan Freedinghouse and his world-renowned team from West Coast Customs are building a street-legal NASCAR next-gen Toyota Camry TRD during the Cookout 400 this weekend, July 29th through the 30th at Richmond Raceway. The West Coast Customs design inspired by the look of Tyler Reddick's number 45 Xfinity 10G Toyota Camry TRD that Reddick will race for 2311 Racing uh, this weekend on July the 30th. The paint scheme designs are both for both cars were unveiled on social media in July 2019, and the current and recent students from Enrico County Schools CTE program will assist Ryan House with the build. Fans can watch the West Coast Customs build live inside NASCAR Racing Experience located in the Richmond Raceway midway uh, anytime between July 29th and the 30th. So um, earlier this week, uh, they did do uh, a media availability to see that, and uh, I think it went over pretty well. Kind of exciting uh, news there.
1: That might be one of the coolest things I've seen done at, at the track during a race weekend. i got to admit that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, what's up there?
1: Richmond Raceway and the NASCAR Foundation are ramping up the community give-back efforts. Uh, as NASCAR Racing returns to Richmond Raceway for the July 29th and 30th Cookout 400 weekend, uh, track and the sport will use its collective horsepower to make a difference in the greater Richmond community. Some uh, Events to look at back, uh, yet yeah, this was yesterday, they had the Track laps for Charity, which is presented by uh, Worldwide Express, where they can drive your personal vehicles uh, for five laps on the three-quarter mile V-shaped oval, and that was a twenty-dollar donation. The benefits uh, or proceeds uh, benefited the Richmond Raceway Cares and the U.M.F.S. Virginia Foster. Today they had from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, still going on, I guess, uh, building bikes for Greater Richmond Y.M.C.A as Toyota Racing, in conjunction with the Richmond-area Toyota dealer employees and the NASCAR Foundation, are building bikes at Richmond Raceway that will be delivered to kids then from the Greater Richmond YMCA. Also uh, going on today, WWEX Racing delivers smiles at the Children's Hospital of Richmond at the VCU. WW EX Racing, an initiative of the WWEX group of brands including Worldwide Express, will celebrate its long-standing relationship with the Children's Hospital of Richmond from 10 a.m. to noon. Drivers Bailey Curley and Carson Hosevar are visiting with patients and family and passing out some racing-themed goodies. The NASCAR Foundation will also distribute dozens of NASCAR-themed Speedy Bears as part of the NASCAR efforts to give back to the local communities through the That's You Fans campaign. Tomorrow, Friday the 28th, the NASCAR Foundation's Speediatrics Fun Day Festival, uh, powered by College Giving. More than 130 kids from the greater YMCA Richmond will visit the NASCAR Experience in the Richmond Raceway Midway. That will be from 10 a.m. to noon. Corey Heim, driver of the number 11 Toyota Tundra in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, will be signing autographs and participating in the NASCAR-themed activities. The children will then be surprised by the bikes built for them by the employees of the Richmond-area Toyota dealers. And Toyota Racing will also provide tickets for the Cookout 400 to each child and parent. Also tomorrow, we got the Coca-Cola and NASCAR Cup Series that Star Ryan Blaney as they're donating backpacks. The Coca-Cola Company will be doing a backpack donation and check presentation at the Chicanami YMCA from 9.45 to 10.30 a.m. In attendance there by Richmond, uh, it'll be, in attendance will be Richmond Raceway President Lori Collar Warren, uh, Virginia State Senator Lamont Bagby, and Ryan Blaney, driver of the number 12 Team Penske Ford Mustang GT.
0: All right. Now, a lot of people are wondering, could Martin Truex Jr. be on the verge of a second regular season championship? Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex Jr. put up his eighth top five finish of the season last weekend at Pocono to open up his NASCAR Series driver point leading, points lead to 30 points over Hendrick Motorsports driver William Byron, who sits in second. With only five races left in the regular season, anything can happen, but as they sit right now, Martin Truex Jr., who was a champion in 17, looks like he's on the verge of becoming just the second driver all time to win multiple NASCAR Cup Series regular season championships. He would join Kyle Busch, who did it in 2015 and again in 2019. Plus, along with the prestige, Truex would bank an additional 15 playoff bonus points that come along with that title. Now, Truex has won seven different drivers to occupy the Cup Series driver standings lead this season. In 21 starts this year, he's accumulated three wins, three stage wins, eight top fives, and 11 top tens. Now, the regular season clinch scenarios for the uh, championship – Martin Truex, Jr., or whoever is first in points, needs to be up by the corresponding number after the race to clinch. So at Richmond, he needs 240 or 241 points, depending on a tie break. At Michigan, it's 180 or 181 points, again, depending on the tie break. Again, depending on the tiebreak, it's 120 or 121 points at Indianapolis and 60 or 61 points, depending on the tiebreak, at Watkins Glen. At Daytona, it's zero or one point, depending on the tiebreak. The inception of the Cup Series regular season championship into the series was in 2017, and since then, five different drivers have won that title. Kyle Bush has two titles and ranks first, again, in 2018 and 19. Chase Elliott won the title in 2022. He ranks second. Then it's Kyle Larson, who won the title in 21, Kevin Harvick in 20, and Martin Truex Jr. in 17. Three... Of the five drivers that have won the regular season championship, went on to win the overall Cup Series championship in the same season. Martin Truex Jr. in 17, Kyle Busch in 19, and Kyle Larson is the other driver who did it in 2021.
1: Well, that's kind of interesting. We're a little shy of 50%. We'll see how have to see how this year plays out into those statistics. Now, the win and you're in. Let's look at who has the previous wins at these last five tracks of the regular season. The easiest way to earn a spot into the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs is to win a race. And with just five chances left to do that in the regular season, let's take a look at the drivers that have formally visited Victory Lane in the NASCAR Cup Series at these next five upcoming tracks. Of the 22 drivers that are currently winless this season and running full-time for a championship, 11 of them have won at the five remaining tracks on the regular season schedule. And that's Richmond, Michigan, Indianapolis, Watkins Glen, and Daytona. At Richmond Raceway, the three active drivers without wins this season that have formally won at the .75 mile track or Kevin Harvick, who has four wins, Brad Kozlowski has a pair, and then Alex Bowman has one. At Michigan International Speedway, only one driver without a win this season has formerly won at the two-mile track, and that's Kevin Harvick with six victories, which is his series' most, and I believe he's the defending winner there from last year. At the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course, Only one driver there without a win this season has won at the 2.439-mile road course, and that's College Racing's A.J. Allmendinger, as he grabbed the victory in 2021. At Watkins Glen International, we got three drivers without wins that have formerly won at the 2.45-mile road course. Those include Chase Elliott with two, and then A.J. Allmendinger and Kevin Harvick with one each. Now comes the wild card, Daytona International Speedway. There's eight active drivers without wins that have formerly won at the 2.5-mile Super Speedway, and that includes Austin Dillon, who has two, as well as Kevin Harvick with a pair. Brad Keselowski has one, Michael McDowell, Austin Sindrick, Justin Haley, Eric Almoroa, and Eric Jones all have won apiece as well. Now, since Daytona was moved to the regular season finale event back in 2020 two of the three wins in the regular season finale have catapulted that driver into the postseason William Byron did it in 2020 and Austin Dillon in 2022 and I look forward to seeing if that happens again this year
0: Yes, indeed. Um, You know, Kevin Harvick is in his last year as a driver in the NASCAR Cup Series, and this could be his last ride at Richmond. The Stuart Haas Racing veteran Kevin Harvick announced at the beginning of the season that this would be his last year competing in the NASCAR Cup Series, making this weekend's race at Richmond his last run at the famed three-quarter mile track. Harvick has made 44 starts at Richmond Where he's posted 4 wins 18 top fives, 30 top 10s And Harvick right now is the highest ranked driver In the standings without a win This season Could it be Richmond that he gets his uh, Win to get into the playoffs
1: Well he certainly has a shot at it But we gotta look at Lucky number 7 as Richmond has produced six different winners in six races. The so long shots and streaks of different winners are nothing new at the famous Richmond Raceway, and this weekend, the three-quarter mile track is riding a streak of six different NASCAR Cup Series winners in the last six races. Go back to 2020, it was Brad Keselowski, then came Alex Bowman in 2021, as well as Martin Truex Jr., in 2022, is Denny Hamlin, followed by Kevin Harvick, and then in 2023 it was Kyle Larson. So, who will continue the streak of different winners this weekend? We have a total of 25 different drivers entered this weekend who are looking for their first win of the 2023 season, and nine looking for their first career win in the season in the series. Uh, AJ Allmendinger, Eric Almirola, Alex Bowman, Chase Briscoe. Chris Buescher, Harrison Burton, Austin Sindrick, Ty Dillon, Austin Dillon, Chase Elliott, Ty Gibbs, Todd Dillon, Noah Gregson, Justin Haley, Kevin Harvick, Eric Jones, Brad Keselowski, Corey Joy, Michael McDowell, B.J. McLeod, Ryan Newman, and Ryan Priest, as well as Daniel Suarez, Bubba Wows, and J.J. Yaley. Now, several of those are looking for their first career NASCAR Cup Series win, uh, Harrison Burton, Ty Dillon, Ty Gibbs, Noah Gregson, Corey LaJoy, BJ McLeod, Ryan Priest, and J.J. Yaley. Now, five drivers have posted their first career NASCAR Cup Series win at Richmond Raceway. When we look at all time, uh, Casey Kane did it in 2005. Tony Stewart's was in 1999. Kyle Petty back in 86. Neil Bonnet in 1977 and James Hilton as far back as 1970. And plus, keep in mind, it's anybody's race until the checkered flag waves, especially at Richmond Raceway, where 12 of the 133 NASCAR Cup Series races, about 9%, have been won by drivers starting outside the top 20, which is the the second most in the series behind Daytona International Speedway, which has 14. The deepest in the field that a NASCAR Cup Series winner has started at Richmond Raceway is 32nd, and that was done by Kyle Busch in the April race of 2018.
0: Okay, well, there are some short track kings to keep an eye on this weekend. as the five remaining tracks on the Cup Series regular season schedule, this weekend's Richmond Raceway race is the very last short track, which begs the question, Who's been the best on short tracks this season, and should be the ones to watch this weekend? Well, we know who, we know who they are. The NASCAR Cup Series has competed on six short tracks this season: Martinsville, Bristol, Dirt, Phoenix, Dover, New Hampshire, and Richmond. And two organizations have dominated the six events, winning three apiece. That's Hendrick Motorsports, who won at Martinsville, Phoenix, and Richmond, and Joe Gibbs Racing, grabbing the other wins on Bristol Dirt, Dover, and New Hampshire. Two drivers this season have won multiple times on short tracks, including the current Cup Series points leader, Martin Truex Jr., who won at Dover and New Hampshire, and Richmond Raceway's most recent winner, Kyle Larson, winning at Richmond and Martinsville. The other two short track races were won by Christopher Bell on Bristol Dirt and William Byron at Phoenix. The driver with the best average starting position in the six previous short track races this year are Hendrick Motorsports' William Byron at 6.5, followed by Tyler Reddick at 7.0, Kyle Busch at 7.3, Christopher Bell at 9.2, and Kyle Larson with a 10.5. The driver with the best Average finishing position at the six previous short track races this season is Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex Jr. with a 6.6. He's followed by Tyler Reddick at 9.3, Christopher Bell at 10.3, Kevin Harvick at also at 10.3, and Chase Briscoe at 11.5. Stewart House Racing's Kevin Harvick is the defending winner at Richmond. A total of 21 different drivers have led laps in the six previous short track races this season, and that's led by Kyle Larson at 405 laps. He is followed by William Byron at 383 laps led and Martin Truex Jr. at 378 laps led.
1: When we look at the regular season roundup, who's going to add their name to these playoffs? Now, Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin snatched his second win of the 2023 season at Pocono Raceway and his seventh victory at the 2.5-mile track, which broke a tie with Jeff Gordon for the series' most wins at Pocono. Now, with 11 drivers already earning their spot in the playoffs by virtue of their wins this season, at least five positions still up for grabs heading into Sunday's Cookout 400 at Richmond Raceway. The five drivers currently in position to earn a spot in the playoffs on points, or Kevin Harvick at plus 163, Brad Kozlowski at plus 122, Chris Butcher is 111 up, Bubba Wallace is only 27 to the good, and Michael McDowell at plus 17. So Harvick, Kozlowski, and Butcher each have comfortable points cushions above the postseason cut line, but 2311's racing is Bubba Wallace at plus 27 in the 15th spot and Front Row Motorsports' Michael McDowell at 17 to the good in the 16th and final available transfer spot, they're in a precarious position with these five regular season races to go. If one or two drivers outside the playoff cut line were to win over these next five races, it could bounce McDowell and Wallace out of the postseason. Heading into this weekend at Richmond, there are seven different drivers that won last season that are looking for their first win of the year, including Daniel Suarez, Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, Austin Sindrick, Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, and Chase Briscoe. Now, of that group, Hendrick Motorsports' Alex Bowman is the only one to formally have won at Richmond back in 2021. So when we look at those uh, 2023 drivers' uh, playoff outlook, the drivers without the win, behind McDowell in 17th, you have A.J. Allmendinger, and he is – but 17 points um, behind McDowell, Daniel Suarez, another six points back. Then you got rookie Ty Gibbs, Alex Bowman we mentioned, Chase Elliott, Austin Sindrick, and you've got Justin Haley, Todd Dillon, Eric Elmore, Corey LaJoy, Ryan Priest, Eric Jones, Harrison Burton, Austin Dillon, Chase Briscoe, Ty Dillon, and Noah Gregson are all still eligible. And just outside that NASCAR Playoffs cut line. We look at College Racing's AJ Almendinger in that 17th position, who's 17 points back from McDowell for that final transfer spot. Both McDowell and Almendinger are looking to make the playoffs for the second time in their respective careers. McDowell made his postseason debut in 2021. Almendinger last made the playoffs back in 2014. Also chasing McDowell and within striking distance, you have Trackhouse Racing's Daniel Suarez and Joe Gibbs Racing's rookie, Ty Gibbs. Suarez is ranked 18th, or 23 points below McDowell, and Gibbs is 19th, 28 points back. Of the five drivers from 15th to 19th in the playoff outlook standings, Suarez at 16.1 has the best average finish at Richmond Raceway, followed by Allmendinger at 22.1. Gibbs is at 22.5. Wallace at 23.6 mcdowell's at 30.4 additionally two drivers outside the playoff cut line with the biggest playoff streaks in jeopardy this season they start with uh, hendrick motorsports teammates chase elliott and alex bowman elliott's the 2020 series champion fought in the nascar cup series playoffs the last seven consecutive seasons going back from 2016 to 2022 And Bowman has appeared in the playoffs the last five consecutive seasons, going from 2018 to 22. Currently, Bowman is 20th in the standings, 46 points behind McDowell in 16th. And Elliott is 21st, 56 points back.
0: Yes, indeed. It's hard to believe, Jay, but there's only five races left in the regular season, uh, with Richmond Raceway being that last short track of this regular season, uh, so let's take a look at what's going to happen here. The five races left are Richmond, Michigan, Indianapolis, Watkins Lynn, and Daytona, and they will decide who will compete in the 16-driver playoff field for the second time this year. The Cup Series will head to Pocono for the second time this year. The Cup Series heads now to Richmond Raceway for some Sunday afternoon side-by-side short track action. So, uh, definitely looking forward to that race. A little history about Richmond Raceway. It was originally known as the Atlantic Rural Exposition Fairgrounds. Richmond Raceway held its first race in 1946 as a half-mile dirt track. The first Cup Series race at Richmond Raceway was held on April 19th of 1953, and that was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Lee Petty in a Petty Enterprises Dodge. He had an average speed of 45.535 miles per hour. The first 24 Cup Series races held at Richmond were run on a dirt surface from 1953 to 1968. NASCAR Hall of Famer David Pearson won. The final Richmond race on dirt, he was driving a Holman Moody Racing 1968 Ford to Victory Lane. The track surface was changed from dirt to asphalt between the Cup Series races in 1968, with NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty winning the first Cup Series race on the paved Richmond surface, surface, and that was on September 8th. 1968. He also was driving a Petty Enterprises vehicle, but this time it was a Plymouth. The track was then rebuilt as a three-quarter mile D-shaped oval as we know it today. And that happened in 1988. In total, Richmond Raceway has hosted the Cup Series 133 times and has produced 57 different pole winners and 53 different race winners. NASCAR Hall of Famers Richard Petty won there in 61, 67, 68, 69. He had a 1970 sweep. He won again in 74 and 75. Bobby Allison had a 72 sweep, a 73 sweep, also winning in 74, 76, 79, and 82. They lead the Cup Series in polls. Those are pole wins um, at Richmond with eight apiece. Eight of the 57 Star Cup Series Richmond Raceway pole winners are active this weekend. They're led by Denny Hamlin in 2006, 8, and 16, and Kevin Harvick in 2005, 18, and 19. They each have three poles. Uh, Brad Keselowski at Eric have two poles apiece followed by Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Busch, and Martin Truex Jr., all having one pole. NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty leads the Cup Series and wins at Richmond Raceway with 13 victories in the spring of 61, a 67 sweep, the fall of 68, the fall of 70, a 71 sweep, a 72 sweep, along with a 73 sweep. He won in the fall of 74 and the spring of 75. Petty's 13 Richmond wins are the third most victories by a single driver at a single track in Cup Series history. That's behind his 15 wins at Martinsville and 15 wins at North Oaksboro. This weekend, eight of the 53 Cup Series Richmond Raceway winners are active They're led by Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch with six victories from the spring of 2009, the spring of 2010, the spring of 2011, as well as the spring of 2012. He also has a sweep there in 2018. Drivers with uh, four wins include Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick. Martin Truex is the only driver with three wins. Then it's Kyle Larson, Brad Keselowski, and Joey Logano. They each have two wins, and Alex Bowman has the one win in 2021. Hendrick Motorsports driver Kyle Larson is the most active Cup Series winner at Richmond. The California native scored his second career Richmond win in 17-23, and which was just earlier this year in April. Larson returns this weekend looking to become the 12th driver in the Cup Series to post consecutive wins at the three-quarter mile track joining Joe Weatherly from 62 to 63, David Pearson from 65, and including his 66 sweep, Richard Petty in 1970, a 71 sweep, 72 sweep, 73 sweep, Cale Yarborough from 76 to 77, Bobby Allison in 82, including an 83 sweep, Dale Earnhardt had an 87 sweep, and also from 90 to 91. Rusty Wallace, an 89 sweep. Terry Labani in 94 to 95. Jimmy Johnson had a 2007 sweep. Kyle Busch, an 18 sweep. Martin Truex had a 19 sweep. NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty leads the Cup Series in consecutive wins at Richmond, with seven consecutive victories from the September race of 1970 to the September race of 73. All of the on-track action this weekend for the NASCAR Cup Series at Richmond Raceway begins on Saturday, July the 29th, with practice and bush Light pole qualifying on the USA Network from 12.35 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And that concludes excuse me, our weekend preview of Richmond Raceway.
1: jay any thoughts well as always we covered a lot and there's a lot going on this weekend when we talk about the truck series it is the end of the regular season championship and these other series i know we still have five or six races left to go with them but we've seen it one race can be so important and i think these are some big ones for some teams this weekend
0: Absolutely, absolutely. We're definitely looking forward uh, to this race because that means there's only four more races left on the regular season schedule after Richmond. So it is definitely winding down. Uh, we're, we're getting ready here for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. Jay and I will be here for that. But joining us uh, shortly will be Brian Everly, our regular uh, for the... Um, Uh, hot topic segment on Thursdays. Uh, I haven't heard from Mike at all, so that tells me he must be working today and not available. Uh, So let's go ahead um, and do a preview of some of our topics. Jay?
1: All right. Well, as I mentioned earlier in the show, we definitely got some interesting uh, ones going on that not just about what's right now but the future of some teams in, in racing. Uh, let's see, where do we start? collig Racing uh, testing a new driver is A.J. Allmendinger. going to run at Road America, so he'll miss practice and qualifying. Uh, Derek Krauss is going to run the car on Saturday, so he'll have to start at the back. Sharon put up a, a professional racers owner's organization uh, involving Tony Stewart, Richard Freeman, Bob Tasca III, and who was it? Who had the, oh, President Alan, Alan Jackson and Drag Illustrated founder Wes Buick. So some interesting uh, group, driver group of people coming together for that major event. Then we got Andretti or Auto Sports, considering an ASCAR involvement. I know that ties into another story I will talk about. We talked about this one, and then I heard uh, Elton Sawyer discuss this. NASCAR reexamining the process for towing cars to pit road, and that was following Joey Logano's comments and issues this past weekend at Pocono. New interim crew chief for Ty Dillon at Spire Motorsports, a uh, name everybody should be familiar with if you're a NASCAR fan, Kevin Bono Mannion. He's going to become the uh, interim crew chief there. We talked about the West Coast uh, Customs and the 2311 Racing teaming up to build a car there during the Richmond weekend with a special project. That is so cool. And Mike had one up on this as well. This one, uh, Sharon, you put up, the NASCAR Financial Health. I know he had one up on the organizational Um, There we go. Back on July 25th. Um, Nuggets regarding the NASCAR financials. Team Penske being the number one for revenue, but RCR being number two ahead of both JGR and HMS is a bit of a surprise. So take a look at that and the financial well-being of not just NASCAR, but the individual teams as well.
0: Okay, and uh, Brian is here, so we're ready to get started with our hot topics for today. Uh, Brian, welcome to the show, first of all.
3: Hey, everybody. How's it going? Happy Thursday.
0: Yeah, Quite warm
3: uh, here in the Midwest.
0: It is. We're under a heat wave, I think, right now, Brian. Uh, so it's going to be pretty hot and humid for the next few
2: days. Yeah, for sure.
0: Okay, why don't you go ahead and uh, kick us off with our first hot topic here today.
3: All right, uh, I'm going to pull it up. What do you want to start with? Do you want to start with kind of how Pocono ended last week? I feel like that's kind of the most talked about. Yeah, we can do uh, that. I mean, definitely uh, disappointing from my standpoint that it had to end under caution, but I don't think you really had a choice there but to throw the caution. I mean, you could not throw the caution, I don't think, personally, but, you know, Bummer, you hate to see it races end that way, but at some point, there's you know there's only so much you can do, not every race, we, we see is going to end under green, but it was some pretty good racing at the end. I don't necessarily agree with Hamlin's move or Hamlin's take. I'm probably not the biggest Hamlin fan, either like seems like most of America or most of Pocono the other day, but it is kind of nice. I feel like we have some more rivalries developing a little bit. I feel like we've really lacked that. Um, over the years, you know, there hasn't been anything like Gordon Earnhardt since Gordon Earnhardt, I don't feel like. So I think if we get a little more rivalry, a little drivers being less friendly, I think it would be good, in my opinion. Respectfully, at least. You know, I don't want people dumping people like crazy, but I think, you know, not everyone needs to be best friends. That makes sense. (laughs)
0: That sounds good. Okay, Jay, what are your thoughts?
1: You know, this is kind of ironic, and I know Brian hadn't had the opportunity. We discussed the Hamlin-Larson deal, but the one thing we didn't get to was the actual finish of the race ending under caution. Uh, Once the white flag came out, and if you look at it, and they talked about it, NASCAR had the yellow out, out, apparently had already flipped the yellow light on, and pre-started the roll, so they kicked it back off and threw the white flag, I believe it was Todd Gordon on uh, one of the late shows that I was listening to, said that's where from the industry side, from the garage side, the fact that they had initiated it a little bit, they tried to correct it immediately, Uh, But they were trying, as you said, Sharon, trying to give the best finish um, under green flag if they can. Once he stalled again and never got going, the leaders are going to come around. You have no choice. You have to throw the yellow. Um, Again, it's nobody's ideal uh, situation for a race to end, period. Uh, The other thing uh, Brian mentioned there, and I'm with him, and it's ironic when everybody was against Ross Chastain, I was kind of in favor of him. I I don't know that he ever, like I said, went out headhunting to take anybody out. But if there was a driver in front of him he wanted to pass, he was definitely willing to be aggressive in doing so. I think the difference, the biggest difference when we talk about this, and, and we, we did a, as a group uh, the other night at length, is when Ross got out. He said, yeah, I did it, and I'm going to do it again. That's who I am. Hamlin is normally on the receiving end and thinks it's the worst thing in the world, but then goes out and does it and says, I didn't even do it. That's where my problem comes in. And as far as the rivalry, that's where I think Brian's 100% on track. Not that I want to see anybody out there, again, of the the old days of headhunting and targeting, but to have that real rivalry. And I think NASCAR got that between Denny Hamlin and Josh Chastain over the past couple of years. Apparently, Hamlin decided he needed to pick on somebody new. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, you guys all know how I feel about Denny Hamlin. Not a fan of the guy, so I'll start with that. But um, yeah, it's and he addressed some of my issues with it on his uh, on on his show. I guess it was. I listened to an audio, uh, and he said, "You know, when you're on the." Losing into the situation, you're not going to be happy, just like I wasn't happy when I felt like it was being done to me, being Denny Hamlin. Um, And Kyle Larson's not going to be happy when it happens to him being on the losing side of those. Uh, When you're on the winning side, you're happy with the move. And you're always going to be happy with the move when you're on the winning side of those things. Um, He understands that that's kind of the dynamics of the whole thing. My only issue is that it's a good move when Denny Hamlin does it and is on the winning side. It's a bad move if anybody else does it, and he's on the losing side. So, um, uh, And and he says that's just human nature, which, in fact, it is. I don't know that, you know, Mike brought this up on Monday. I don't know that NASCAR needs to be involved in those kind of uh, dust-ups, but I just think uh, that, you know, you can't call it a bad move uh, if you're on the losing side of it and a good move if you're using the exact same move on somebody else. So that's my only issue with Hamlin. As far as the race ending on um, under a caution, Uh, I think NASCAR, again, you said it, Jay, they wanted the race to end under the best possible conditions, which we all want, which is a green flag finish. When Priest couldn't get his car restarted again, I think it was Priest, uh, couldn't get his car restarted again, uh, that's when they had no choice because those cars were coming around the track. They had to push uh, that yellow flag and, and kind of make that happen um i hadn't heard the other thing that you were talking about jay but that's kind of the way i saw it as it was happening is that they wanted that green flag finished just like we wanted it but uh when priest couldn't get the car off the track they had no choice so brian what are your thoughts
3: yeah i i echo what you said totally i, I feel like um you know like you said about hamlin like it's it's either his way or, or no way. I feel like it's you know, I feel like most drivers can at least be a little bit, you know, self reflective and know when, yeah, maybe that was the wrong move but I did it to win or take a little bit of responsibility. I don't feel like you get that from Hamlin, but I, I'm also kind of okay with that because you don't want every driver to be the same. I mean, I think you for this for the last several years, I feel like so much PR and sponsorship goes into a lot of this these days that drivers have had to just become vanilla. A lot of them aren't. I mean, when you talk to them and interact with them with the track, they're not, but they just have to be yeah. more and be more professional. It's it's not the days where, you know, and not that you want to see a fight after every race. I think that's ridiculous as well. But, I mean, no one has to be happy. Like, when someone comes up and they're angry after the race, that's a good thing. They raced hard. They they battled, you know, just like in NFL, just like in baseball. You think the White Fox are happy that my Cubs dominated them in the last two days? They're not, right? Like, not everyone has to be friends. So I think I think it's good overall. Like, I I, I like that. Um, and, again, I think, yeah, they didn't have any choice, but it's really caution. You don't envy race control. I mean, anyone that thinks that they wanted that, come on, no one wants to race. under their caution. I don't care who you are, right? Everyone wants their green flag finish. So it's unfortunate we didn't get one at Pocono, but hopefully at Richmond
1: and, and Road America. Okay,
0: well put. Jay?
1: Well, and here's the ironic thing that, uh, with Brian, what Brian's talking about, a lot of people say they want that, but then when drivers do it, they want to call them certain names. And Kyle Busch is who comes to mind. You have never seen anybody madder than Kyle Busch when he finishes second. So, and that's the kind of fire like Brian was talking about. And I do like that. And I do like to see the different personalities. And again, the, the, not everybody, buddy, buddy, it'll be okay. Um, but there's a line. You've got to watch that line of when you cross into of uh, too much on track or personal vendettas out there uh, where you're not racing, you're taking out a personal vendetta. You're not even racing anymore. You're, you're racing to beat just that one person. Um, so you've got to watch that line. And that's where I certainly don't think, and we, we heard the report uh, for the week, NASCAR did not issue any penalties for any of the actions that happened throughout the weekend, which I thought was the right call. The other thing they talked about was when it came to the decision of when to throw the yellow or why they didn't initially, on a track like Pocono, it's wider, uh, uh, what is it, two point something mile uh, total length. They have more time. They can wait and see and give Priest that opportunity or whoever's car it happened to be in this particular situation, it was Priest, before they have to react. Uh, Coming this weekend, I know NASCAR gets a lot of harsh criticism for that of being too quick on the yellow Now they're saying well you didn't throw the yellow when you needed to they had more time here at Richmond If a car starts spinning, they're probably going to throw the yellow because it's a short track There is no more time to react. You've got to make that a quicker reaction So it's going to change based on the track and situation and I think fans need to keep that in mind as well
0: Yeah, that's a good point Jay um yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add here. I, I do. I, I, I know I'm hard on Denny Hamlin because I do think that Denny Hamlin takes it maybe a little bit uh, further than most people uh, when it comes to these rivalries. Um, Brian's right. We don't want it to be vanilla. We don't want everybody to be prim and proper and all of that sort of thing. Um, It kind of reminds me of a few years ago. Harvick, who is a promoter uh, with KHI, seemed to do promoter-type things in order to instigate rivalries. Uh, I remember him pushing, I think it was Brad Keselowski, into the fray. uh a few years ago uh that's kind of what i think denny hamlin is attempting to do uh i just don't think he's um well i didn't like it when kevin hartrick did it either i'll just put it out there that way um but i i just think hamlin there's just an edge on him that doesn't rub well with me i guess and um I, I I just think that he speaks out of two sides of his mouth. He kind of cleared it up a little bit today, and I get what he's saying, uh, but I still don't think he gets it, that you can't keep winning races. If you remember, uh, you guys kind of corrected me and said they were talking about last year, but he did win uh, this year at the Coke 600 with this same exact move on uh, Ross Chastain, and uh, that's two times this year that that's the way he's won the race. Um, you can't keep winning races in that manner, in my mind, and consider yourself an elite race car driver. Elite race car drivers, in my mind, uh, I'm I'm just speaking for myself here. But elite NASCAR drivers can do it cleanly without all the pushing and shoving and knocking the competitor out of out of competition knocking the competitor out of the competition in order for you to win. Um, I I think he's gotta clean up that act. Brian.
3: Yeah, I would agree. I don't think I have anything uh, anything more to add there. It'll be interesting to see if he uh... If there's anything else with anybody going forward, um, Richmond and maybe a little beaten, and banging. So, again, hopefully we see, I don't know, better short track race than we've seen of recent. I'm not convinced we will. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, kind of what goes around comes around. Obviously, Larson doesn't have a short, short memory. He'll remember that. I know they're friends. But, you know, friends can also be fierce competitors. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens.
0: Okay. Jay, what's our next top topic?
1: Well, for me, going into Richmond, this was actually the one that caught my attention. and uh, I, uh, Actually, it was brought to me by Tommy, who picked A.J. Allmendinger in the Xfinity Series race at Road America, and I was going to question him um, because they're racing the Cup Series at Richmond and Ro- Xfinity's at Road America. He was on the entry list, and I listened to some of, of Sirius XM radio yesterday and found out there was truth to it and I saw an interview with Almendinger. This is their plan going forward. But I find it very interesting with the situation that Colleg Racing is in on the playoff bubble, but as Bob Pachris put up, they may be testing uh, a new driver as Derek Krauss is going to be the one to run the car on Saturday, who has been doing a lot of sim work for Colleg Racing.
0: Okay, Brian, your thoughts?
3: Yeah, on one hand, I find it interesting. On the other, I feel like, you know, it's a lot of laps at Richmond. It's not like he's, you know, I think he's still going to be just fine. It's not like he doesn't have previous laps at Richmond, maybe obviously not a ton in the next-gen car. But I think it also just goes to show, you know, I mean, Colic has a solid affinity program as well. They they need to be cognizant of that. I think sometimes people get so caught up in, in what's going on at the cup level, they don't think about how important the other levels are. It is a little bit, you know, Puzzling, I think. Um, definitely puzzling, I think, to see Kraus be the one practicing the cup car, given that I don't think he's made, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he's even made an Xfinity start yet. That's a little bit of a head-scratcher to me. I think that's maybe more head-scratching than, than anything. But it's not like AJ is going to miss the race to run an Xfinity race. So he'll be there Sunday. He'll start at the back, obviously. But, I mean, let's be honest, what, what are they normally qualifying anyway? 20th, 25th? So he's going to pass you know, some of those back markers pretty quickly and, and be right about where he is. You know, and the practice sessions are so short these days anyway. It's not like he's missing, you know, back in the day, three long practice sessions. So I don't think it's quite as puzzling as social media seemed to make it think yesterday. I mean, people seem to be pretty up in arms about it. I mean, I think also it's Road American, man. That place is beautiful. You want to win there. AJ wants to win anywhere. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think it, it kind of makes sense, but I guess it's also a, a little bit at the same time.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with you, Brian. I, I first read it, and I go, what's going about all of that? Uh, first of all, uh, A.J. Amendinger loves racing road courses, so if he gets a chance to race a road course, he's going to do it. <laughs> and, he, you know, whatever he has to do to do it, he's going to try to be there and race those road courses. So, of course, he wants to race at Road America. Uh, The second part of this with with Derek Krause, he's been working with College Racing on the Sim, uh, so why wouldn't they put Derek Krause in that car? Uh, I get it, why people think it's kind of puzzling, um, because he hasn't run in Cup or Xfinity Series. uh, If he has run in Xfinity, it's been very limited. Um, So why would they do that? Well, because he's been working him in the sim uh and they want to give him that chance uh to you know get that experience in the cup car uh and kind of test it out is what i see it as uh to see how he would do in that car uh at uh richmond so i <clears throat> i i don't think it's as puzzling as they're making it out to be on social media i think it makes sense in a lot of uh, respect um and uh I I don't know what the hubbub is all about. As far as whether or not he's gonna be a new driver, I, I would see this as a first step to the potentiality is that a word? Uh of that happening. But um I do think that you know, it's just it's just filling in for AJ so he can run at uh Road America. Okay?
1: Well, first off, uh, that's good you represented, Mike, using a new word, whether it was made up or not. And you're the English major and teacher, so you've got to tell us. Uh, I don't know that I've heard that word, but um, it sounded good. Uh, when, I, when I first heard this, I was kind of like you guys. Uh, at first, my first thought was, what are you, crazy? You're talking about being on the verge of the playoffs within one race striking distance. The more I heard about it, uh, I'm not saying I've I've swung fully to, oh, yeah, it's a great idea, but I understand it. Uh, Whatever the reason be that A.J. Allmendinger is going to be at the road course, he wants to be. It puts him in a good position to win, obviously. My thought is maybe to give some time with Chandler Smith and teaching him who could possibly also show the potentiality, if I'm using the word correctly, of being the cup driver. He's in his first year, though, in the Xfinity Series, so that's a concern as well. Um, and it might be a sponsorship deal. We don't know. They've made the decision. They're 100% behind it. Uh, even just now, something Brian said really made it, it made it come to light of, you're, what are you missing when you talk about practice? And I don't know the specifics. I know, Sharon, we read them earlier, but um, they're not huge – three times a day, hour-long practices that we used to see. So it's really what are you losing as far as that. Uh, the only counter to that, again, if you're looking at trying to make the playoffs, and I know we got road courses coming that they're hanging their hat on for A.J. Almendinger, but his average finish, so we read, was 20-point-something. And he's in that tight battle within the playoff bubble. Um, you don't want to guarantee or think you got to guarantee lock in the bank win coming at one of the road courses. We know that. So you'd want to try and maximize. So I'm still kind of in the middle. If that's what they've decided to do as a company for whatever reason, uh, I mean, I support it, and I understand it a little bit better than I initially did.
3: Oh, okay, Brian? I think you mentioned a great point there in that round too, and that comes to sponsorship, right? I mean, we don't know. I don't know who's sponsoring AJ this weekend in the Xfinity race, but maybe they were like, hey, we want AJ in the car. AJ is our guy. We got to be in the car, right? If you're um, Matt, right? Um, nah, I can't I can't talk here. Uh, if you're Matt Collig and Chris Rice, you're going to put AJ in the car, right? And I think, you know, getting a win on Saturday gives you nothing but momentum to go into Sunday. Right. So I think, you know, and again, like you mentioned, I believe it shares you that said it's a, you know, it's a road course, it's obviously AJ's specialty. He's, you know, I didn't look at the odds yet for the Xfinity races this weekend, but I bet he's the favorite or at least right up there. Um, so I, I don't think you pass up that opportunity to go get a win. You run really well, you get the momentum and you get to Richmond and you're ready to go there. So, I think it's okay. It'll be interesting to see like when the playoffs start, if they continue doing the same thing, right? I mean, it's, it'll be interesting, but also uh, let's, let's be honest. Let's be realistic as well. I don't think anyone anticipates, you know, AJ and colleague to be winning the title this year or probably even making the round of eight. So w- what are you really losing? in in all this, I guess, is kind of what, what I'm looking at. I think you've got to go out and get the wins where you can, regardless of what series it's in. And I think they know that, hey, we can go out and get the win. I wrote America, but I think the interesting point you made that I wasn't even thinking about is who knows how much of that is sponsorship driven. Hey, we've got a real chance to run up front and get all that TV time. You know, if you're that sponsor of that car that weekend and you signed out and you want AJ in the car. So I think, it, I think that could be more what it comes down to, too, not just getting the win, but obviously we know. Uh, dollars and cents is what it really is these days in stores. So I think that could have a lot to do with it as well.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that was an excellent point and uh, uh, we don't know all the details behind the scenes uh, and I know AJ gave an interview on it and he more or less said, it might not make sense to you guys, but it makes sense to us and we're going to do it and we don't care what you think. <laughs> so um, you know, they have, they have a uh, master plan in mind <laughs> and uh, they're going to put it to, to uh, they're going to implement it. So uh, we'll just sit back and watch and see how it all plays out. Jay, any final words?
1: Yeah, it, it's interesting and we know that, that that 10 team has been a rotation of a lot of times cup drivers or sponsorship specific ones um, for them to run the full season. Maybe they just had to absolutely fill that spot so they have to use one of their cup drivers. And it's been mentioned, who better than, on a road course, A.J. Albeninger? And, and we read it today, that's where he got his first victory, so I'm sure that uh, means a lot to him. Um, Brian mentioned it, uh, I'd have to back that up, a beautiful facility. I would go to Road America any chance I got, uh, no matter whether I got sleep or had other things to do the next day. My only concern when it comes to Richmond, starting in the back, uh, you know, Brian mentioned coming through those back markers and getting to mid-pack, um, it's a short track. So the leaders are out front. If you don't get through traffic rather quickly, maybe have to use your chrome horn a little bit, you could go in danger of going a lap down early. And that's why I'm just thinking about that race and, again, the, the playoff situation. Now, Collegue Racing has always said they're out for trophy hunting, and I certainly agree they got a shot at the trophy at Road America. So if that's their decision, like I said, I, I'm still in the middle of, of whether I think it's the best idea but it's their team. I'm not the one paying the bills either. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to AJ
3: winning at road America and then going to Richmond and finishing like top 10 and just telling everyone to <laughs> shut the F off. But like everyone's just like all over these guys. And I'm like, I think I know what they're doing. Um, yeah. Maybe it's a little bit puzzling, but yeah, I'd love nothing more. I think it's a good storyline to watch this weekend, how he does it at both races, but I'm kind of hoping he puts the pundits um, in their place a little bit and wins road America and finishes, you know, top 10 or a really solid finish and. um, in uh in Richmond,
0: oh, very good, Brian, okay, you get to also pick the next top topic for us,
3: oh man, I don't know if I was ready to have uh to have that. I pull up here. what else we got on the list uh, yeah. it closed on me a so colleague already we talked about that Do you want talks. I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll let you pick, Sharon. Why don't you, why don't you pick for us? How, how about we talk about what Logano had to say on, on the cars being towed back like they are and being torn apart and being able to just, you know, come out there and change the tires. And I think, um, you know, what he said, I think has a lot of a credence to it, right? It's kind of no different to me than, you know, what happens in like a World of Outlaws race. If, if a guy has a tire issue, he pulls into the the pits, his crew and other crews go going to work on the car to get it back out there. I don't see any issue with, them changing the tires and letting them drive back to the pits, especially to they think it's something that's repairable. Now, obviously, if the car is junk, there's there's no point in doing that, put it on the wrecker and tow it back. But especially when you hear them talking about how they're just bounced around in there like that on the wrecker, that just seems silly when we do have what seemingly seems like a super simple solution to come out there with a truck with four tires on it, put new tires on it, let them drive back to the pits and, and fix the car and bring it back out. But curious to hear what the, what the rest of the panel has to say about it.
0: Okay, Jay.
1: Well, I'll try and be quick here again. I know Brian wasn't able to join us on Monday. We actually went round and round on this one. I think maybe even three times. Um, yeah, there's definitely room for improvement. I go back to though of, of Moody. Moody is one that said, looking at that car, that car wasn't going to continue in good race condition, regardless of how they got it back to the pit. One of the things that Elton Sawyer brought up during his interview was the fact of this was a one-car incident. Now you talk about if there's two cars, Daytona or uh, Super Speedway, where you have five, six, seven cars involved. Now you're talking about if, if you have the tow truck team that is responsible, which uh, none of us have really thought that was necessarily the best idea. But how do you choose which team gets the tires first? Are you going to go to point standings, who's ahead in the playoffs, whatever? Because you've got multiple you've got to choose from. And I think, Sharon, you're the one that brought it up. Sometimes when it looks good on paper and the thought, it's what problems does that bring about if you implement it. And NASCAR's looking at that, which I'm happy to hear. They are looking at it, and they agree something better can be done. It's a matter. And he also addressed the flatbed. He did feel that the flatbed was maybe a little bit better than the tow truck. But, again, it depends on the situation of each car. So how do you make that decision of what's best and quickest every time? The one thing I know we looked at with the tow bar that they have now, they try to pick up from the rear end because that rear diffuser is the biggest thing when it comes from aerodynamics of the car. So, yeah, the front splitter may get a little bit more damage, but they're trying to protect the rear end and the rear diffuser is why they tow from there. And I didn't fully understand. He mentioned at Pocono, again, a 2.5-mile where they tow it and how they tow it has something to do with scoring as well. And I I can't comment on that because I don't really understand that. But he said that had something to do with uh, helping out with scoring and keeping them in the scoring loop so that they don't lose even more laps.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I did not get a chance to listen to the Elton Sawyer uh, commentary, so I can't really comment there. But uh, I know we talked about this on Monday night, and, and we did kind of say, you know, addressing one thing kind of opens uh, Pandora's box for another problem. And it was like, where do you kind of cut the line? But the major, I am glad to see that NASCAR is reexamining their process for towing cars to pit road. I like the flatbed idea, um, and I understand it might not be appropriate in all situations. It's a tough second decision sometimes uh, that these guys are making, uh, not like you would in race conditions, but they got to make a decision very quickly uh, so that they don't lose that time for some of these drivers. Joey Logano lost his car because of the way that they tow the cars to pit road.
2: He ended
0: up with, you know, he didn't finish the race. So um, there's got to be a better way to take care of cars that get a flat tire uh, and get them back into action as quickly as possible that doesn't destroy the car and take them out of the race altogether. So I understand Joey Logano's comments. I understand his frustration uh, over the situation. And I think it's smart that NASCAR is reexamining that whole process because there's got to be a better way.
3: Brian? Yeah, that's fair. And I think, um, yeah, I did not listen to a Monday show, but you guys make a good point that um, obviously if there's four or five or six cars in a rack, and obviously I think every driver and team is going to be like, oh yeah, we're able to fix that. Even if the car is junk. So how do you decide who's getting to change tires and come back and, and who doesn't? Um, I mean, maybe it comes down to you let the crew, guy, you take all the crew guys out there and a couple of vans and the tires out there on a flatbed truck. I, I don't know. Again, you don't want to extend some of these cautions anymore then you do as well. I, I guess it's kind of like everything. There's not a simple solution. It sounds simple. And then you kind of talk about it a little bit and you know, like, oh, actually I didn't really think about that. Cause right. If you have a 10 car wreck, I bet you every driver in there is going to be go, and Oh yeah, I think we can fix it. Let's bring it back and take a look at it. We want fresh tires so we can drive it back and not, you know, drag it and rip anything, everything, anything and everything on the underbody off when they drag it back. It's a little bit shocking. Some of that wasn't, you know, realized more when they did all that testing with the next gen, but, like anything you implement and you're not going to be able to catch everything or every red flag or every issue. But it is interesting. I don't know. And I don't know when you make the change either. If, if you're going to, I think you have to do it before the playoffs. I don't like the idea of making any sort of rule change at all during the playoffs, unless it's something, you know, that really has to be done. So I think, you know, if they do decide they're going to do something with that, I think it needs to be done before they start the playoffs or defer it until next year. Um, but, again, I'd be curious this here, I don't know if any of the drivers have spoken up kind of – If they feel the same way, I would assume none of them appreciate being jostled around like that. I guarantee you none of the crews appreciate everything being ripped off on the the body of their car while it's towed back. Um, So definitely something I think they need to consider, and hopefully we hear something a little bit more on on a go-forward action plan sooner rather than later. James,
1: Well, first off, I think you've got to wait until next year. Uh, I'm trying to think what the rule or change was that we saw last year that they change going into the playoffs. If you're going to, I agree, don't do it during the playoffs, do it prior to, but also uh, if you change something like that prior to the, right prior to the playoffs, okay, it benefits those that are in the playoffs and how they continue in their run. But you may have teams that said, well, if this had been in place two weeks ago, we might've made the playoffs. So that's where I think it needs to wait till the end of the season, as well as, what NASCAR's is doing, really look at it and think of all the possibilities you can, as Brian mentioned, you're not going to catch everything or see everything coming, but wait until you really have a chance to look at it. And I still think some type of not changing the tires, but a, a board with wheels. And I say a dolly of something to lift the car up, set it on there and then roll it on those. So the team still has to change their own tires. You're not doing anything like that for them, but it does lift the car up a little bit more. Um, like I said, maybe a little bit lower than a flatbed. Um, I know with Mike, we talked about uh, if the car is leaking something, uh, something with a little bit of a tarp under it, I guess, slide a tarp under it real quick and drag it back on the tarp. I don't know. Uh, I do think, though, if here at fan for racing, we can come up with an idea and pitch it to NASCAR. We could all be rich. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Okay, um, I'm just going to kind of go over the comments here uh, that are posted on Jayski. Uh, Elton Sawyer said, Joey and I spoke yesterday, had a great conversation, and here's the real positive. He and I agree 100%. We're on the same team, and we're trying to fix it. NASCAR senior vice president of competition, Elton Sawyer, was on uh, Tuesday's SiriusXM NASCAR radio, and he continued saying, this is not necessarily a next-gen car problem as much as a no-ride height rule. Even our cars in the past had four flat tires would basically have similar situations, having difficulty getting back to road from time to time. But we will go to work to figure out what the next procedure is to be able to get the cars. Uh, Sawyer said we need to get them picked up straight, get on a roll back, and get them back. Towing them or pushing them back is not ideal, but it's what we have today. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of situations here that they can look at. Uh, There might not be an ideal solution, uh, but maybe there is something that they can do that that can make it better. And that's what the whole purpose of reexamining that whole process is all about. So I think everybody wants the same thing. Uh, I always applaud NASCAR uh, for going that extra mile in order to make improvements, especially when a driver has a complaint. And I think, Joey has a legitimate complaint here. Um, I didn't realize this, but he said he was, it says here, the reigning Cup Series champion complained it didn't make sense to drag the car around the track, further damaging it while bouncing the driver around in the cockpit. I had no idea he was sitting in the cockpit when they were towing that car back. Did you guys know that, Brian?
3: Um, I guess I didn't during the race. No, I just saw the comments um, after the race. Because, um, I mean, yes, obviously if you get out of the car, right, you're, you're done. That's the rule. So you can't get out, right. I guess, because you cool. You can't get out and be driven back in, you know, an ambulance or a, a safety truck. So you can't have that option unless unless you give them at least that option for the time being, like, you know, because um, that would – that would make sense, but um, is what it is. But yeah, I did not realize that he was necessarily in the car either. Although I guess that is the rule, so I guess if I thought about it, I would have. But yeah, until I saw his post-race his comments, I did. I was not aware of that fact.
0: And do you have any anything else to add to the re-examining the process piece of this? Um, I don't know. Did I lose him?
3: uh brian did you have any other comments to close it off oh sorry no that that was uh that was it i think i'm I'm good on i'm good on that and we'll we'll see what happens here in the coming weeks
0: okay jay our next hot topic
1: all right well to me and sharon i'll let you make a call on this um i think there's one or two that could be tied together Uh, for me anyway in my mind um Ty Dillon. Where were we? Let me find it back. Um, new crew chief. New intern. Yeah, there we go. Uh, new intern crew chief for Ty Dillon at Spire Motorsports. Uh, and the reason I say that is the the one below it, Andretti Motorsports, possibly coming to NASCAR because they sponsored Marco Andretti in a Spire Motorsports um, truck. We've seen some changes, uh, driver Justin Haley going over to RWR. I think some of these backmarker teams, as we like to call them, are setting themselves up for some team owners that are looking to come in, Junior Motorsports, possibly uh, Andretti Motorsports, after this new television package comes out and the uh, charter system is kind of reevaluated in conjunction with that. I think a lot of these moves right now are all being made for two years down the road, in my opinion. But I, Andretti Motorsports coming into NASCAR and then the Ty Dillon uh, crew chief change at Spire Motorsports.
0: Okay, Brian,
3: your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think just a lot of different um, things that will probably come to light here as we kind of almost get into kind of 2024s silly season it's always kind of crazy how that starts to ramp up with NASCAR um even before we get into the playoffs for this year.
0: Yeah, um the, the Kevin Bono Mannion's a very uh seasoned uh veteran within the sport. I think he'd be a good crew chief. Uh Ty Dillon is I think almost on his last legs. Uh and Kevin might be coming in. Uh, just to kind of get a feel for uh, what they need to do with regard to, to Uh Also, Andretti Motorsports coming. Uh, I feel like this is an annual thing. Andretti, when they get ready to, uh, you know, redo their contract for the year, they always uh, check out NASCAR just in case they might get – a little bit better deal but i do think that a lot of these teams are doing exactly what you're talking about jay i think that they are um uh getting themselves set up uh to kind of move their organization forward if you will uh and not be the back marker team the a lot of these teams understand that with the next gen car uh they're on more equal footing uh, to, and so they've got to improve their organization to get the results that they need. Uh, so the car is not the issue anymore. It's it's the organization, and they've got to make changes within their organization. So uh, I think it is interesting that these two, um, in early July, Spire Mortisports announced it had a multi your deal with GameBridge, a fintech company, to be the primary sponsor of the team's two cars in the Cup Series. Um, they also revealed that day that former IndyCar driver Marco Andretti, Michael's son, would make his debut in the Craftsman Truck Series and aspire truck uh, that same month. So yeah, I don't think there's, um, I don't think it's a coincidence uh that we're hearing these two uh things happening. Uh one in the truck series, one in the Xfinity series, uh, for, for Spire Motorsports. I, I think that overall, um, Spire is one of those teams that aspires uh to greater success uh within NASCAR and they they they're making the changes they feel are necessary in order to make those things happen. And and who knows? Maybe Marco, who is not successful in IndyCar, could be successful in NASCAR. Okay?
1: Yeah, I just see it, and you're right, it all starts with uh, building the organization, and it's not as easy for some of these other teams without sponsorship. And you mentioned Gainbridge. And the link there is that is a big part of the Andretti Motorsports sponsorship uh, um, when it comes So that's where the tie-in comes. You're right. We have heard this for a couple of years now of Andretti being one of looking into it. The problem is is the charter system. You can't buy one outright or it's too high a cost. That's where I think you're going to start seeing maybe some partnerships then. Um, I mean, those deals can be worked out to the benefit of all. We saw it with GMS Racing when they came in, um, partnering up, and then – it became because they're the ones that partnered with uh, Richard Petty um, and then legacy uh, in the case of Trackhouse, they just outright bought an operation, which was cheaper than actually just buying the charter. So, and I know they keep talking about this television deal as well as a review of the charter system, which I think expires at the end of 2024, I believe if I'm not mistaken. So they got to figure out what they're going to do with it. I think that's kind of what teams are waiting on to see. Spire Motorsports and RWR right now trying to take advantage of that, and they're the ones that probably have the tr- or will have the charters for sale um, up in their value and what, the t- what they're getting out of the team when it comes time if they were to sell it or uh, offer a partner. Specifically, though, this being about Kevin Banyan and the 77 team at Spire Motorsports, we've seen what Corey LaJoy and the 7 team has done as far as elevating its game Again, getting top 10s, not weekly, but running up closer to the front and having a shot at a top 15, top 10 uh, finish, That then why is the second team not doing the same? Um, so like you said, the experience of Kevin uh, Bodo-Mannion um, coming in and looking at it uh, I think is huge, and I think they have the capability. They need a couple more pieces, starting with I think sponsorship is a big one.
0: Okay, Brian, any follow-up comments?
3: I think uh, you guys said it best. I don't really have anything else to uh, to add to that at this point.
0: Okay. I don't really either, Jay. So um, I guess we might be ready to move on to the next topic, unless you have something more to say.
1: No, I know, uh, and this goes back to uh, Andy and Mike, uh, especially in in the race day chat um don't see it i go back to any organization though um what, where they came from initially we've seen some dips uh okay a, a dip at hendrick motorsports maybe isn't as noticeable or as huge as when you talk about one of these other teams but what we all want to see is 36 competitive teams that have a shot at winning re- uh, weekly they got to do this step by step they can't just come in um with the exception of a few, there may be a situation where they can, but you don't come in at the top of the uh, of the, of the chart, either mid pack or back, and you got to build to it. And that's what I see happening, and I'm encouraged by it.
0: Yeah, I, I am too, definitely. Um, okay, I'm not sure where to go from there, <laughs> Jay. Uh, Were you bringing that up
1: as a roundtable? Yeah, I don't know that we had uh, any others. Um, I know the two kind of tied together, and I hadn't had a full chance to read the the financial peak, but there again, or the financial uh, health, uh, the nuggets on that, Um, both you and Mike had something up on that. Uh, That's kind of been tied to, again, the TV deal that's forthcoming. We haven't heard any more on that lately, so I think we can wait with that.
0: Okay. Well, like you said, what's good there is that the sponsorship is there. That is encouraging. Um, And I I do think some organizations are better at getting sponsorship than others, Uh, and uh, I think that plays a key part in all of that as well. But um, I guess are we ready to call it a day then? And do our round
1: table what yeah, you guys I don't think? see any others uh that we had on the list there
0: okay, so let's let's make it an early day then uh and do our round table. I know Brian, you were uh considering going to racing America, you're still gonna to go, but maybe just for a day versus uh the weekend um and that, but you've got another track you're going to go to.
3: Yeah, so my motorsports heart is a little bit torn this weekend, as it typically gets about this time of the year in the Midwest, because there's, like, no less than, like, seven different races a lot of times within driving distance over the course of a weekend, and you try to decide which one you can make it to. So um, with, with the stuff with the accounting gig being as busy as it's going to be here today and tomorrow, I don't think I'll have a chance to make it over Road America till at least Saturday, but what I'm torn on on Saturday is Saturday is also the Prairie Dirt Classic, a awesome, huge late model, um, dirt late model race down at Fairbury um, in Illinois. And I went to Fairbury for the first time. I've heard a lot about it um, for several years. Went there the, for the first time um, back uh, about a month or so ago. Um, I don't know if everyone knows this, but my, my dad, uh, Crane Company, he's in business for himself, uh, we've sponsored a, a driver from, from the area for several years. And the, he runs in the IRA bumper-to-bumper sprint car series, so they ran at Fairbury um, about a month or so ago. So I went down there for that. Great track, great facility, great people. Um, this event so huge, and I've been kind of debating, do I go to that? Do I go to Road America? Obviously, I've been to the Xfinity Race at Road America a ton. Road America is now essentially in my backyard. I only live, like, a handful of minutes from there. Um, but I really do kind of want to go to Fairbury as well. Selfishly, I'm kind of hoping it it rains a ton in Illinois, and that race gets pushed, but I obviously don't want that for the fans and the competitors. But um, what might have been the deciding factor, I don't know if you guys follow Wikipedia at all on Twitter, um, Brian Walker has um, been involved in a ton of stuff around Dirt Series for, for a while. He's going this weekend and just tweeted about how excited he is, how it's such a great, big, huge event. So I might be leaning a little bit more towards that, but I'm still torn and probably won't be a decision I make until – Saturday morning there's also a chance maybe I just decide I want to be able to see both, so I stay home and watch both on my little three TV wall I've got going on now. So it'll be a Saturday morning decision, I think, at this point. I'm, I'm really kind of torn. So uh, I don't know. Maybe you guys can sway me one way or the other. But I, I think either, either of those three ways I don't lose, I get to see some great racing. So Yeah, I think it's
0: a no-lose situation there, Brian. Uh, Jay, what are your recommendations? <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I, I, at first I was like, oh, that's a tough decision to have to make. Uh, you know, I feel bad you have to make a decision what races you you get to go to. Uh, me personally, <laughs> a I like am that. more a, kind of a dirt person, and I have never been to the Prairie Dirt Classic, so my decision would have been made and packed and gone. Uh, but the Prairie Dirt Classic is definitely one you want to track, uh, check out. Fairberry, a track you've got to put on your bucket list as far as a dirt track. Uh, I know my, uh, Brian, you said you've already been. So yeah, it is kind of a tough call. Uh, the bad thing there that I heard you say, I don't ever want to hear you put that kind of hex on any kind of racing. We have struggled here <laughs> in the South I with don't. the it's R thing.
2: Selfish.
1: Yeah. Um, hopefully I'm at Jackson motor speedway, your capital city raceway this weekend calling some sprint car action. So you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, oh. Mopar MJ eight on Twitter and Instagram um i can't even tell you how many we've lost this year as well as a lot of racing around us even at the nascar level uh you know they finally got a sunday in. i know the arca race got pushed but they got a saturday sunday racing in the pocono without that pesky r
3: so there there is there's is the other crazy option and well i guess they back up to Friday night, I'll definitely be going over to the dirt track at Plymouth. They're doing a kind of a companion thing with Road America like they've done in the past. It worked out really well the last couple years, and the Cup series is also in town. I know Chase Briscoe and some others ran. Uh, Josh Bolicki is running um, that. The Bumper to Bumper series is running. So the the car that my dad's company sponsors will be running on on Friday night um, as well. So I'll definitely be going there for that. But there is the the crazy idea would be Road America starts at 2 p.m. Central time. You got to figure that'll be over by about 4:30. I could still make it to Fairbury in time for the feature, I think. Um, so that is also a consideration of trying to do, trying to do both. But you're, you're 100% right. I do not, by any means, hope that it rains. I know Fairbury has had several big events rained out in the past couple of years. I believe this event even was was rained and, and delayed just a year or two ago as well. So definitely, obviously, don't want that. Um, but yeah, the, the, the crazy idea in me is I'm going to try to do both. And then I have to be back in Wisconsin on Sunday morning for something. So I'm going to turn around and, and drive right back after that race. So, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I got basically four, four options. And like you said, none, none is going to be a, the wrong one. So that's, that's a good, uh, good day to have.
0: And, and Brian, you've got an article, uh, kind of in the early stages, right?
3: Oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm putting something together on, on just Corey Heim and his truck um series season he's had this year. Obviously a really great a really great year. He's got the chance to win the regular season championship, even though he missed that race at, at Gateway, I believe it was. Um and TRD president David Wilson met with the media yesterday trying to talk about you know, the 600th win for Toyota and things like that. That was what it was mainly focused around, but he was also asked about Haim and his success and kind of what he thought about him. So it got some decent quotes from that as well. So i going to try to get a story together tonight or tomorrow morning to, to get up on the site as well.
0: Okay. So we can watch for that to be coming out. Uh, Jay, was there anything more that you wanted to say in your wrap up?
1: No, I'm good.
0: Okay. Uh, well, thank you to both of you for being available today for our podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, also to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, again, we have so much fun doing these shows, and we hope you enjoy uh, the shows as much as we enjoy doing them. Uh, and I am fan for Racing psyched on Twitter, fan for Racing blog and Radio Everywhere Else. Uh, Facebook, as well as our website, Uh We do have the player available on the website, uh, so you can always listen to the podcast there, uh, as well as our live broadcast. We'll be back on air Monday night for the review other uh, racing at Richmond, as well as Shasta, as well as uh, Road America on Thursday, on Monday night with Sal Segala, as well as our Hot Topic Sound Off at 10. So uh, Jay and I will be back again on next Thursday uh, for the podcast, too, along with uh, Brian for the Hot Topics. And uh, again, that kind of gives you the, the rundown here. So we hope everybody enjoys their uh, race weekend. And uh, we we'll look forward to talking to you again on the other side. I think that's a wrap, guys.
3: Agreed. It's a great way to spend a uh, lunch hour on Thursday. So thank you both. Uh, fun time as always. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good one.
1: Have a good day and weekend.
0: Goodbye, everybody.